This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. San Diego, what's up? Sam Levitt with you live from Peoria, Arizona, really where my Airbnb is, Glendale, Arizona, but Arizona, far away from San Diego. It is just me for now on today's edition of Gwyn and Chris on this Friday, March 1st. Yes, it is the month of March. Padres baseball will be here before you know it. We are under two weeks away from the Padres heading to uh, Korea, where they will begin their season against the L.A. Dodgers. And it gets closer and closer with each passing day. Very exciting. A lot of questions still to be answered about uh, the Padres roster, about who's playing where, all of it. If you've heard my segments on uh, the morning show this morning, the midday show, uh, you know there's a lot to talk about. So I will fill in here for Tony and Chris and Scraby, uh, probably solo for the next couple of hours. Plan is to maybe be joined by Chris at some point uh, in the show and maybe Tony a little bit later as well. I believe Scraby is out. It's It's been quite a day so far here at 97.3 The Fan. We've got Scraby, unfortunately not uh, feeling well. Scraby, hope you feel better. Uh, apparently Scraby is under the weather and Matt Scraby is a He's a tough guy. He'll figure it out, and he'll get through it. So Scraby's out for today. We'll let him rest up over the weekend. Like I said, Tony and Chris, uh, I believe, should join me at some point. But until then, it is uh, me with you uh, for the next couple of hours. And we'll talk a lot of Padres. We'll take your phone calls. We will make this sort of a a mini spring training show, if you will. If you've uh, followed the station the last couple of weeks, you know that I've been out and about in Peoria all over the backfields, getting video, interviews. So we're going to revisit some of the conversations I've had over the last couple of weeks, revisit what Mike Schilt had to say earlier today. We'll kind of get through all kinds of different Padres-related things, play some extended interviews, and uh, it'll be sort of a a hodgepodge, if you will, of Padres content for you. So that's what we'll do here in the first couple of hours. May mix in some of your phone calls. We will have Bob Scanlon join us at 340. And Bob was at the 
uh, one of the split squad games today, and I do want to give you an update on what the Padres uh, are up to in those two games going on, both in Peoria against the Angels and in Maryvale uh, against the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. A split squad day for the Padres today. Bob Scanlon was at the game in Maryvale, which was interesting because it featured a lot of the young pitching uh, for the Padres, guys like Haro Ariarte, Drew Thorpe, Ryan Burgert, uh, Adam Mazur, a lot of interesting young arms in Maryvale today. I'll uh, give you a rundown of my day before we get to what the Padres have been doing today. Started early, as it usually does here in Peoria. Went to the clubhouse, uh, chatted with Luis Patino, who is inside the Padres clubhouse this morning. Just arrived, obviously, the former top pitching prospect for the organization. It's been sort of a, a windy road for Patino since he got traded to Tampa Bay in the Blake Snell deal. And he's dealt with injuries, and then he found himself on the Chicago White Sox last season and ultimately got picked up off waivers by the Padres during the offseason and now has a nice opportunity back home, like he said, back home with the Padres. And uh, it'll take him some time to ramp up, get up to speed on things. He obviously is a couple of weeks behind here and also competing in a, in a really crowded bullpen. So uh, good to catch up with Luis Patino. I uh, had a good conversation today with J.B. and Sandridge, uh, who's an interesting uh, left-hander in the Padres organization now. He's got a really good story. May I dive into that a little bit later? Mike Schultz spoke, uh, got an update as to why Manny Machado wasn't in the lineup today. Nothing big with Manny, just part of the progression, and uh, they're giving him a, a day away from regular game action. Uh, so nothing, uh, as far as I know, to be concerned about there with Manny as he comes back. Uh, from the elbow surgery and uh, Mike Schultz explaining that just part of the progression, uh, extra day arrest and, uh, you know, getting ABs and, and, you know, additional work beyond the games, that can be even more valuable than the games themselves. So I heard from Mike Schultz. Uh, my dad's in town. How about that? Jeff Levitt in town from New York, spending a couple of days in Arizona. He was on the backfields today, so he got to see um, all the guys take BP, Fernando Tatis Jr., Xander Bogarts, Jay Cronenworth, BP, defensive work. So he enjoyed that. He, he met Jesse and Tony, Jesse Agler and Tony Gwynn Jr. So my, my dad meeting the celebrities in Peoria. I uh, saw him at the ball game. He hung around for uh, a few more innings than I did, and then I – uh, left the game against the Angels in Peoria and came back to the Airbnb, which if you are watching on YouTube, you see the Airbnb, the famous Airbnb. It's going well here. And, uh, yeah, as always, you can watch on YouTube. You can uh, listen via the Odyssey app, and uh, we appreciate it, as always, if you're listening on 97.3 FM. But that was about my day here in Peoria. And, uh, hey, spring training. It's kind of Groundhog Day. Every day is sort of similar, but also very different in that you have different storylines and uh, different uh, different things you want to focus on sort of day in, day out during the course of spring training. So, again, Bob Scanlon will join me at 340, and we will talk Padres. Uh, I think we may have a Big Five coming up later and much, much more to get to. But before we hear from Mike Schilt, that'll come up in our next segment, and we'll we'll revisit some of the things that were said earlier today in Peoria. I thought I'd kind of give a, a rundown of my of my top three observations during spring training, or I really should say the top three storylines so far after two weeks here in Peoria at Padres spring training. <laughs> there we go. Adam, by the way, I should mention Adam Klug back in the studio doing a great job. 
getting me on the air. Adam, working hard back there. Uh, it's been a busy day. This was admittedly, and I think no secrets here, a bit of a, a last-minute scenario. I was supposed to fill in uh, for a couple of hours today, but Scraby feeling under the weather. So we are, we're kind, uh, we're kind of... Uh, What's the term? Uh, flying by the seat of our pants? Is that is that the uh, term? I think it is. Yeah, that sounds uh, right to me. Okay, so yes, thank you, Adam. Uh, last minute here. So may sound a little like that. We're going to jump around today. Uh, but I thought I'd start by giving you my top three observations from Padres spring training. You know what? I'll make it top four. Number observations one. and I guess storylines from Padres spring training. All right, number one. Obviously, we begin with the situation in the outfield, and it is the talk of spring training. Jackson Merrill getting work again today in center field, the third start in a row when he's been playing the field that he's been in center. And I do think that's significant. I think it I think it says something. I don't know that it means that Jackson Merrill is going to be this team's starting center fielder in three weeks in Korea or in just under a month at Petco Park on opening day. I don't know that it means that, but I do think it's pretty interesting. I really do. I think we have some uh, put me in coach behind me, all right, as the uh, storylines go. So I'll say this. Um, I'll say this. I don't know that I think it means Jackson Merrill is going to be this team's opening day center fielder, but I do find it fairly interesting that Jackson Merrill continues to get reps in center field. We have to keep in mind, before a few days ago, he had never played a game in center field ever. So he's learning a new position, and the Padres are clearly getting him work out there in center field and obviously in left field earlier in spring training. And that is the major storyline, right? What does this outfield look like? And what direction do the Padres ultimately go? in a couple of weeks and, and by the time they get back to San Diego. And there are a number of di different directions this can go. Obviously, there is the youth direction, and it's pretty clear that the Padres are giving Jackson Merrill every opportunity to win a job, to win a starting job, whether it be left or center. I think that's pretty obvious to everyone at this point. And I think Jackson Merrill has impressed a lot of people, no doubt, with um, his play, what he's shown not just in the games, but on the backfields, and a confidence to him. And the ability so far, fairly seamlessly, to go into the outfield. He's been good in left. He's been good in center. There hasn't been, I, I haven't seen what he did today, but one play to this point where he's looked uncomfortable. And credit to Jackson Merrill. What he's doing is a really difficult thing to do. It really, really is. But so far, he's done it well. The offense, it'll probably come over the course of spring training. I think it's no matter whether you're a veteran or a really young player, I think it's really hard to judge um, a player this early in spring training. So I'm willing to give Jackson Merrill some more time offensively at the plate before we start making any grand conclusions about Jackson Merrill offensively this spring training. But the options the Padres have when you talk about Merrill, when you talk about Graham Pauly, when you talk about Jacob Marcy, who's playing left field today, who doesn't have much experience out there. Grant Pauly's played first base a handful of times so far. He's never played first base ever before. College, minor league baseball, before this spring training. What is very, very clear is that the Padres are giving the young guys real looks and in spots where they are not familiar with. Now, does it ultimately mean they all make the team that you're going to have Merrill and Morrissey and Pauly on this team? It does not. 
But at the moment, with the way the roster is constructed, the sense I get and the sense I've had for the last couple of weeks is that it's real. The opportunity for these guys is really, really real. So one direction the Padres can ultimately go in in a couple of weeks is giving a job or two to the young guys. But they don't have to do that because one of the concerns I think it's natural to have when you talk about the young guys, and this is not to take away anything from their talent, guys like Marcy and Paulie and obviously Jackson Merrill as well. But the reality is there is very, very limited double-A at-bats for those three players in particular, and, and it just is what it is. Jackson Merrill, 187 at-bats at double-A in 2023. Graham Pauly, a grand total of 81 at-bats at double-A last season. Jacob Marcy, before the Arizona Fall League where he won MVP, 56 at-bats at double-A. And again, I'm not taking away from the talent and the idea that they could have success in the major leagues right away. It's possible. And clearly the Padres are really high on these guys. But there's always a risk when you speed up the development process. And that will be a risk for the Padres if they go young until we see the results. That, that's just, that is what it is. But it is a direction they can go in. Then there's other, and I know I've spent a lot of time talking about Merrill Paulie and Marcy, but there are two other options that that are on the table for this team, and I do think they're important to note. The first one is sort of the wild card, right? We've heard the name Tommy Pham thrown around by Dennis Lynn a couple of days ago in The Athletic. We know there are some other names, Adam Duval, Michael A. Taylor, that are still out there. There's still a question, and I think a fair question, as to whether the Padres do add. And if they add, obviously that affects these young players. That means that there could be less opportunities from the get-go, from opening day on, at least early in the season. And I do think until we get through the next couple of weeks, that's going to be a looming question. Will the Padres add? Will they be comfortable spending some amount of money that keeps them under the CBT, obviously, that gives them some flexibility going into the season in case they need to add later in the season. But to me, that, that's kind of the second question in the outfielder discussion is do they ultimately add? And is that is the door closed on that? I don't think it is. But if you go and you get somebody like a Tommy Pham and you stick him in left field, well, then look, it becomes more limited, the playing time in left field, obviously. And maybe you are looking at a scenario where Jackson Merrill's your center fielder and you say, we're okay with that and we're okay with Tommy Pham and left and kind of rolling that out for opening day. The third option, and I, I this is to me the, the least likely option that I can feel at this point, is that you allow your young players to get a little bit more seasoning in a place not the major leagues right and and it's a possibility it doesn't seem like that based on the playing time based on what we've seen in the cactus league so far but when you talk about guys like tim lacastro and jerks and profar and cal mitchell and oscar mercado all these guys major league experience we know what jerks and profar is what he's done for this team how well liked he is by this team, LaCastro. The offensive numbers are not going to knock your socks off, but he has plenty of major league experience. Mercado, Mitchell, guys with big league experience. Look, there's a chance that 
you know, Profar obviously I think is a lock to make the team, no doubt about that. But when you talk about guys like LeCastro and Mercado and Mitchell, there is a possibility that you could look at an outfield of Jose Zocar in center field. That's a name I should mention as well. And Tim LeCastro, let's say, playing left field on opening day with guys getting a little bit more seasoning in the minor leagues. It seems unlikely. It does, based on what we've seen so far. But it's a possibility, and it's a direction the Padres can go. And I say all that to say this. You just hope the Padres are careful with the way they handle these really talented young players. And if they do promote them onto this opening day roster, if that ends up being, if you have both a Merrill and a Pauly or a Merrill and a Marcy, whatever it is, early in the season, as early as opening day, well, two thoughts on that. Number one, you hope that they're they're ready for it, especially offensively, because it's a big jump from those number of double A bats to playing every day in the major leagues. And number two, obviously, then it becomes a question of, okay, well, you know, how do they do and how do you handle things if if naturally, as young as they are and as limited experience as they have, if they struggle, let's say, early on in the season. So I do think there has to be a degree of carefulness to how the Padres approach giving these young, really talented prospects opportunities right out of the gate. So that's the way it is right now. And I know I said I'd get to the different headlines. I didn't quite get to them because I I got so caught up on the outfield. But those are the three possibilities right now, right? When it comes to the Padres outfield, you either, and it could be a mix of all these three, but you're either rolling with your young, hot, talented prospects, okay? And they're really talented, but there's limited experience there at the upper levels of the minor leagues and offensively you could see some struggles there it would be natural we've seen it many times before even with the best of prospects who go on to be tremendous players there's also the possibility that somebody who's not in this clubhouse is added and that changes the dynamic of what you have in the outfield and the amount of spots you have i think that's a definite possibility and then the third possibility and the third aspect to it how do guys like Mercado, like Mitchell, like LaCastro, like Azokar, like Profar factor in to the conversation? Would you ever have a scenario where you may start an Azokar in center field and somebody else, not one of your top prospects in left field, and say, hey, we need to give our young top guys a little bit more time or we need to ease them in a little bit more? I don't think that's the likeliest scenario. I don't, that last option. But it just underscores, I think, the fact that the Padres have to, A, be confident in what they have in their young players and their ability to hit major league pitching. And also just a little bit careful because you don't want to speed it up too much. Obviously, right now, they have necessities on the major league roster. But you do want to be careful. So that's kind of how I see the outfield situation. It is exciting here in Peoria. It definitely is because you're watching guys like Jackson Merrill. You're watching guys like Marcy, like Paulie, get real opportunity. And there's a lot of talent there. And the Padres are super high in those guys than they should be. But there's a lot of the table here. And I think, again, the looming question of what transpires over the next couple of weeks Right? Is there an addition? Is somebody like Tommy Pham ultimately on this team via free agency? 
you never know. Certainly has been floated out there. So that's how we see the outfield situation. We'll uh, continue to discuss all things Padres. I didn't quite get to uh, all of my headlines, but that's sort of the the situation in the outfield. And it's exciting. Look, Jackson Merrill's been super, super, super impressive so far. The confidence, uh, the ease that he's played center and left with, the approach at the plate, all of it. And you certainly hope, you hope that he's going to you know, by the horns, if you will, and run with it and really run with it for as young as he is and for his limited experience at the upper levels of the minor leagues as he has. And uh, it seems like the Padres want that as well. We know they want that. And if you're a Padres fan, I think with each passing day, it becomes pretty clear that you should want that too because I do think him getting that opportunity is becoming more of a reality and uh, obviously very key for this team that he takes it and runs with it. All right, lots to get to on this uh, last-minute solo Sammy edition of Gwen and Chris here on 97.3 The Fan. When we come back, we'll dive a little bit deeper into what Mike Schilt said earlier today. We'll kind of get my commentary on what Mike Schilt had to say today. We'll also uh, maybe hear from Luis Patino a little bit later. We'll mix in some of your phone calls. Again, Bob Scanlon will join me at 340 to talk about what he saw in the uh, split squad games. Also, I realized throughout my whole uh, opening segment here, I didn't update you on what happened uh, in the uh, or what's going on right now in the Padres games, both against the Angels and the Brewers. So how about this? When we come back. We'll do the update. We'll reset. We'll tell you what happened. I'll give you some thoughts on that. A little bit later in the hour, we'll uh, revisit what Mike Schilt had to say today. And uh, we'll go from there and uh, have a lot of fun on this Friday edition of Gwen and Chris. You're listening to 97.3 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 226 on 97.3 The Fan. Sam Levitt with you live from Peoria, Arizona. Filling in a little Sammy Solo edition of Gwen and Chris on this Friday. Hope you had a great week, great Friday so far. Maybe settling in for a nice weekend. Weather here in Arizona has been terrific all spring training long. 
looked at the forecast today. It looks like it's going to get a little bit colder into uh, next week, but uh, no big deal. It's been beautiful here. Hopefully a uh, beautiful day in San Diego. I have not looked at the weather in San Diego today, but uh, normally pretty good bet. It's going to be beautiful in America's finest city. Again, Sam, love it with you here, 97.3 The Fan. Uh, we should have uh, just to reset things. Uh, Tony joined a little bit later. Might have Chris join a little bit later. Scraby is out for today. We've got Adam Klug running the board back in San Diego at our uh, flagship Padres studio. So thank you to Adam. And a little bit of a makeshift last-minute Friday show for you just me with you and again we'll take some of your phone calls coming up a little bit later we'll hear from mike schilt what he had to say uh coming up in our next segment but i did want to use uh, the few minutes here to sort of reset what has gone on with the padres today both in maryvale and in peoria padres playing split squad games today and we do have one final unfortunately the padres have already lost the game today in what was a really quick baseball game i mean this game had to be just a little bit over two hours and 20 minutes so a pretty quick game brewers beat the padres four to three in maryvale earlier today and right now the angels leading the padres in peoria Four to three at Peoria uh, Sports Complex, about 15 minutes away from where I am in my Airbnb right now, broadcasting to you. Uh, let's run down first uh, the scoring in these two games. Uh, in the second inning, we're talking about the game in Peoria. And the game in Peoria was sort of the, I suppose, the A lineup, if you will. But the, the quote-unquote B lineup in Maryvale against the Brewers had some guys that, that could be starting on opening day. But we'll get to that. First, get, let's get to uh, the scoring in these two games. Willie Calhoun hit a home run. Randy Vasquez in the second inning gave the Angels a one nothing lead. Hassan Kim ended up scoring on a stolen base at third in the second, a throwing error uh, by the Angels' catcher allowed him to score. That tied the game at one. Tim LaCastro in his Padres spring training debut, a ground rule RBI double that scored jerks in pro far in the second inning, that made it 2-1. to one. And Padres, uh, Angels got a run in the fourth inning. Not all that important how they got it. It was a throwing error, though, by uh, Eggy Rosario that led to it. And admittedly, a lot of these folks I have not seen. <laughs> I was in transit for a lot of this, so I've not seen what actually happened. I'm just telling you what I'm reading here. Uh, we had uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. grounding out. RBI ground out fourth inning, gave the Padres the 3-2 to two lead. Logan O'Hoppy, a home run in the sixth inning, uh, tied the game at three. Miguel Sano, a solo home run in the sixth inning as well, gave the Angels a 4-3 lead. So uh, that's where it is right now. Excuse me, 5-3 it now is after uh, the uh, Sano home run. So it's, uh, well, actually, I take that back. How'd they get the fifth run? I'm not sure, but it is 5-3 I'm reading now. Angels, so no the home runs, the so two home runs in the sixth inning for the Angels. As far as the pitching for the Padres so far today, Randy Vasquez, three innings of work, one run given up. That was the home run to Calhoun. Four strikeouts, two walks, so a fairly solid outing for Vasquez. Two walks in the home run, not what you want. Wandy Peralta in his Padres spring training debut, an inning, gave up a run, did walk a batter. Tommy Nance, a scoreless inning. Tom Cosgrove uh, did give up two runs in his one inning of work. Uh, Daniel Camarena, scoreless inning. Nick Hernandez uh, is who's working right now in the eighth inning. And again, the Angels with a 5-3 lead over uh, 
over the Padres right now. So that's the game in Peoria. As far as the game in Maryvale against the Brewers, give you the quick scoring summary. It's like a little post-game show here. Uh, Nathan Martorella, RBI double in the second that scored Garrett Mitchell, or excuse me, scored uh, Tyler Wade, uh, gave the Padres a one nothing lead. Mason McCoy, who's played a lot here in the Cactus League so far, sack fly, made it 2-0 later in the inning. Christian Arroyo, RBI single, uh, made it 2-1 to Padres in the second, got the Brewers on the board. Owen Miller, uh, single, uh, RBI single in the seventh inning, made it 3-2. to Cal Mitchell did tie the game at 3 in the eighth inning. He's had a nice spring training so far. RBI triple to tie the game. Brewer Hicklin, a home run in the bottom of the eighth inning to give the Brewers a 4-3 to lead, and they would win it by a final of 4-3. to Taking a look at the... the um, the pitching side of things in Maryvale today. Jairo Ariarte, very highly touted right-hander who we've talked about a lot. Two innings, one unearned run given up, walked one and struck out one. Drew Thorpe, two scoreless innings for him. He's been very good so far in the Cactus League. Ryan Burgert, pretty highly touted right-hander, two scoreless innings of work. Adam Major, another uh, pretty high prospect in the system. An inning, two earned runs given up, struck out two, walked one. Alec Jacob gave up a run and struck out one on one hit in his one inning of work. And again, the Brewers won that Cactus League game 4-3. to three. So, Padres 0-1 on the day. They are trailing 5-3 in their other game in Peoria. So, the Padres trying to avoid going 0-2 on the day. You don't want to go 0-2, even in Cactus League play. And we'll keep you updated on the score in Peoria with uh, the second game finishing of the split squad action today. And like I said, we will be joined by Bob Scanlon. Uh, Padres broadcaster at 340 to talk about. I, I think we'll mostly focus on the game in Maryvale today with the young players, Ariarte and Thorpe, because that's where Scan went today. And I know he, he really wanted to see some of those young pitchers. So we'll talk about the young pitchers and we'll talk about uh, general spring training thoughts with uh, Bob Scanlon coming up at 340. All right. When we come back, we will revisit what Mike Schilt had to say earlier today and we'll kind of ping pong back and forth here some of we what he had to say i'll give you some of my thoughts on what mike schultz had to say touch on a, a number of different topics and we'll kind of catch up to speed on the headlines of the day for the padres beyond these two spring training games and we'll continue to break it down again we'll get to some of your phone calls coming up later we've got interviews to get to i'm riding with you solo sam levitt with you at least for a couple of hours here tony chris they may join a little bit later on but for now you got me, and we're going to talk plenty of Padres from Arizona. That's where I am right now at Padres Spring Training, and we'll continue to roll along on this Friday. More after this on 97.3 The Fan. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. On this afternoon, happy Friday, everybody. Sam Levitt with you from Peoria, Arizona, filling in for Tony Gwynn Jr., Chris Ello, Matt Scraby, 
Tony, Chris, they may join a little bit later in the program. Matt Scraby out, not feeling well today, so we hope Scraby feels better. But for the next couple of hours, you got me, Sam Levitt, with you from Padres Spring Training. As we talk, plenty of Padres bringing you up until uh, 6 p.m., and uh, then we'll get you ready for the weekend. A lot going on at Padres Spring Training today. Again, we'll be joined by Bob Scanlon to talk about a number of different Padres topics, spring training related at 3.40. And at the top of the hour at 3 p.m., we'll play my interview. And if you followed along on social media, certainly if you've listened to the uh, station the last couple of weeks as well, you know we've had a number of interviews and all kinds of content daily coming out from Peoria. But I uh, had a really, really good conversation with Kyle Higashioka, the new Padres catcher uh, who came up with the Yankees. Really fascinating journey through the minor league. So we'll play that for you at 3 p.m. Again, Bob Scanlon will join me at 3.40. Tony Chris, they may join a little bit later on, but for now, you got me. We went over it earlier. Padres playing split squad today. Lost earlier 4-3 to three against the Brewers in Maryvale, and right now they are trailing 5-3 to three in Peoria against the Angels. So the Padres trying to avoid going 0-2 oh on the afternoon here in Arizona. I don't care that it's spring training. You don't want to go 0-2. We'll see if the Padres can mount a rally in the ninth inning against the Angels' bullpen. So before we get to uh, Kyle Higashioka, Bob Scanlon, all that good stuff, let's uh, go back and revisit some of what Mike Schilt had to say earlier today and and use it as sort of a roadmap to hit a, a number of different topics here in this segment uh, let's begin with, let me pull it up here. Again, it's uh, a, a last-minute uh, solo performance here uh, with the afternoon today. So let me pull it up here. Uh, let's begin, and Adam Klug back in the studio doing a great job for us today. Adam, let's begin with uh, Jackson Merrill getting his third start in today in center field. And I did note earlier that the last three times he's been in the field defensively in these spring training games, he has played center field, a place where he never has played before. Before a few days ago, Mike Schultz was asked if he believes Merrill will continue to get opportunities in center. Yeah, I mean, clearly he's out there. You know, we've, um, it's good to have two games a day on a couple fronts. We've got a lot of guys out there with opportunities that are competing, and, you know, Jackson's clearly in that mix and get a chance to play center field again and excited to see. Yeah, so not a whole lot there for Mike Schilt, and I was the one who asked the question, uh, actually. But, uh, you know, look, what I was trying to get at and what I was trying to ask was get a, a little bit deeper into, well, since he keeps on going out there, do you think that's kind of where you're thinking of putting him if he's making this opening day roster? And, again, like we talked about the opening segment, a lot could happen between now and and the trip to Korea, a lot could happen between now and opening day at Petco Park. But look, you can only read what's in front of you. And right now we're seeing Jackson Merrill three straight starts in the field, playing center field and not left field. So what does that say to me? Well, at the very least, it says to me that you're giving him a real look out there in a place he's never, ever played before a handful of days ago. So that's what I was really trying to ask, and I didn't think that Mike Schultz would give me too much on that. But look, no doubt he's getting opportunities out there. It would not shock me if he's back in left field at some point here soon, if they sort of mix it up. But put it this way, the more that Jackson Merrill plays center, the more interesting it becomes, right? The more you have to pay attention to it and the more you have to consider the idea that Jackson Merrill could be your, your center fielder or at least play there some. 
And if you heard Jackson Merrill on the station earlier this week, he talked about how he actually enjoys playing center better than left. I mean, he feels really comfortable out there. So we'll see. Look, he doesn't have a ton of experience in either left or center, but just interesting. Something to, to keep in mind, to continue to note. All right, Adam, uh, let's – now I'm forgetting what I told Adam during the break. Um, Adam, uh, what, what else you got there? Um Team, okay, let's let's do that. Let's. Uh, this is Mike Schilt earlier today. Uh, his thoughts on the team's offensive approach so far at spring training. T, I'm glad you asked that, man. It's uh, really, really pleased with our offensive approach. You know, we um, clearly have talked about it, discussed it. You can talk and discuss it, which just starts there, but you have to actually begin to execute it. And I'm really pleased with um, the players' buy-in to it. Um, you know, Victor and the staff done a good job of in the off season, talking with guys, partnering with the group, you know, getting to make sure we have a clear identity of how we're going to compete offensively. And now it's the work's been taking place. Now we're seeing the execution take place in the game. You know, we're using a big part of the field. Your dad would be happy about this. Um, so we're pleased about the guys' approaches and, you know, we're seeing the results and it's it's paying off. But, yeah, you know, the Petco Park hitting where, you know, it's, it's historically been more of a pitcher's part. Doesn't mean we can't score runs. Just got to make sure we're being intentional about our, our bats and how we're approaching it. And so um, I'm really pleased with what's taking place. In, in a perfect world, what is the identity? A perfect world's identity is, you know, it, we said this a little bit, but every at bat is a situation. And we we talk about lineups. I don't want to segue into that, but you know, the lineup does turn over, but people hit in different parts of the lineup. And the reality is, is, you know, the game tells you what to do. I was well, something Toddy spoke about the other day. I think it's fantastic in, in easy terms being able to capture it. What does the game allow? What's the game calling for at the moment? And so we work on all the different things that allow us to, to be able to execute that. And, and so that's really what Petco Park hitting is. It's really just what hitting is. You know, it's relative to the situation. I'm not going to play to the stadiums as much as we are, you know, hitting homers, hitting small ball. It's really what does the situation allow? Can you stay on the ball? Can you drive the ball through the middle, use the big part of the field? Can you move a guy over like we've done? Can you bunt him over, which we haven't done as much early in spring, but, you know, will occasionally. Um, but just use the whole field and, and make sure you're aware of not only what he's trying to do, but as importantly what you're trying to do and then get after it. You heard Mike Schilt talk about there what the game is calling for, and that has been something that we've heard a lot of Padres players talk about this spring. What does the game calling for in following that blueprint? Something to keep in mind as, as we get rolling here towards opening day. Again, that, that team approach that we've heard a lot about from Padres players, and look, no doubt it's a reflection on, on last season and what went down and, and the perception of what happened last season, but the concept of it being a more team approach of, in spots, just doing what the game calls for. Something we've heard about a lot, and, and we continue to hear from Mike Schilt. Uh, like I said earlier, one of the headlines from today, Luis Patino is back we knew he was coming back we did not know when he would arrive dealt with visa issues but was in the padres clubhouse for the first time today got a chance to talk to him today he was in good spirits as he usually is even going back to uh, my days in amarillo when he showed up at double a i think luis was 19 at that time when he showed it showed up at double a in 2019 uh, always just a, a wonderful guy and a really, really fun, friendly personality. And the amazing thing about Luis is that he's still only 24 years old. 
so far has not really panned out like the way you thought it would when he was one of the top pitching prospects in baseball, gets traded to Tampa Bay, ultimately ends up with the White Sox last season. Padres claim him off waivers uh, this past winter. And look, now he has an opportunity, quote-unquote, back home, like he said, uh, to kind of get things back on track. And obviously there's a lot of talent there. He's dealt with injuries. We all know that. Um, but you hope maybe a return to the Padres organization can can turn him in the right direction as far as uh, getting him back to, to somebody who could contribute at the major league level at a high level, and we'll see. Now he's a little bit behind, a couple of weeks behind from when pitchers and catchers reported, um, so we'll see. But good to see Luis back there today. Uh, here was Mike Schilt earlier today. Uh, he was asked what the game plan is for Luis Patino over the next handful of days. Ruben's talked to him consistently. It'll be similar to Wandy. We'll just see what it looks like. Um, what engaging young man came in the office and enjoyed the conversation with him. He's, you know, on his second stint here, and he's got a lot of respect here in the organization. So, um, just see him get out there, let him uh, get his get his uh, cleats in the dirt a little bit, and evaluate it from there. But he came in looking like he's in good shape, and we'll evaluate it. Yeah. So we'll see what uh, what exactly uh, the future holds for Luis Patino. Beyond the fact that he's a couple of weeks behind, he's also potentially battling in what is, number one, a crowded bullpen, and number two, just a crowded pitching staff, right? When you talk about all the arms that are competing for the final two spots in the rotation and the bullpen, which could be, should be right now on paper, this team's strength. So, look, Luis Patino, again, good opportunity for him. Obviously, it's a good story uh, because of, how he came up, Padres, the kind of prospect he was, and you wish him the best. You hope it works out this second go-round with the Padres. And, uh, again, just a, a good guy, like super happy and and friendly guy. He's always been that way, even going back to when he was 19, uh, showing up in Amarillo, Texas. Same guy that I saw today, which is uh, pretty cool to see. One thing that was interesting today with the split squad lineups, and I noticed it right away, was that Manny Machado was not in either. And I did think it was important today to ask Mike Schultz about it because we know Manny's recovering from the elbow surgery, still in the, in the progression, in the rehab process, if you will, even though he's playing, but he's still working on throwing and ramping up the throwing and the repetition day in, day out of throwing and hitting. It's still a process, and Manny has talked about that. You know, right now, it, it sort of looks based on the way he's played at spring training. Like, there's a pretty good chance he could be a DH in Korea. Um, as far as playing third base, that's a little bit more unclear. But again, Manny was not in the lineup today, either lineup, after not playing yesterday. So, it was worth me asking why Manny Machado wasn't in either of the split squad lineups after uh, it looked like he would probably play today. Here's what Mike Schultz had to say. An extra day. I mean, you know, it's part of his progression. Today was a little bit of a coin flip day, and it's just a day where he and we felt like it's just a matter of getting more work yeah. in. You know, you talk about the games, that's great. They're important. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, but him being able to get his, his bats and, and recover and, and get his swings in the cage and, and be able to do that with more volume right now has more importance than the two or three bats he may get in a game. So that was Mike Schilt on Manny Machado. It does not sound like anything concerning with Manny, uh, but sounds like just an extra day of rest. And you hope that's the case. Um, and uh, look, I think Manny has been pretty clear to this point that it is a prog uh, a progression. I had trouble getting the word out for a second. A progression. Um, 
that there are going to be good days and bad days. And it's about being handle, being able to handle the day-in, day-out nature of hitting and throwing and all the things he has to do on a baseball field throughout the course of 162. That's been pretty clear for Manny so far. So, look, would you have liked to see him in the lineup today? Of course. But I, I just... I'm not going to read too much into the fact that he wasn't in there today. I think the reality is that he is coming back from an elbow surgery. He is, as we know, from the start of spring training, ahead of schedule. And may just kind of be like this where every once in a while you, you got to give him an, an extra day of rest as he ramps up. Because as Manny said, it's, it's not only about being ready for Korea for opening day, but getting him through. 162. So that's what's important. And I thought a good answer there for Mike Schilt. Explained it. We'll see if Manny's in there tomorrow or the following day. Kind of take it from there. Uh, one final thing for Mike Schilt today. Latest update on Yuki Matsui, who we know is dealing with the back spasms. Did go for imaging earlier in the week. Got an MRI. Everything structurally looked good. There was inflammation. He did have a ball back in his hand today. I can tell you he was throwing. I did not see him pitch, but he did play catch today. Here was Mike Schilt, the update earlier today on Yuki Matsui. We expect to get a ball in his hand today or hopeful to do that, but he's moving. Everything's um, been more positive than the day before. He's moving around. We want to be um, judicious in how we, you know, expedite the process, but the good news is he's, he's moving and more free now, so it's, um, it's encouraging. So he's getting closer. All right, so that was the update on Yuki Matsui. And again, much like I was saying with Manny Machado, it doesn't sound like anything concerning. A little bit of a different situation because we, we sort of know what the injury is for Yuki Matsui. But at this point, it doesn't sound like anything to be overly worried about. I do think it's a fair question. Is he set back at all as far as being available, ready for the two games in Korea? How does it affect him? Um, I'm not totally sure, to be honest with you, at this point, but... Right now, you hope he starts throwing a bullpen soon, getting back into games, and, and sort of takes it from there. And, again, the MRI didn't show any structural damage. And uh, just back spasms right now uh, and inflammation for Yuki Matsui. But so far for Yuki, he's been really, really uh, effective uh, in the live BPs, in the Cactus League games. He's impressed a lot of people. And I will say this. It was a question that I asked Mike Schilt earlier today that we didn't play. And it was about the idea that the Padres could on their opening day roster have three really good lefties out of their bullpen. And again, it goes back to the idea that this bullpen could be a real, real strength for this ball club from the outset. Yuki Matsui, Tom Cosgrove, Wandy Peralta, you've got a potential. If Cosgrove is the guy we saw in his rookie year, Yuki Matsui is the guy we've seen so far stuff-wise and effectiveness-wise, and Wandy Peralta is the guy that he's been for his career. To have three above-average, high-leverage, capable options, lefty options, out of that bullpen. And why is that important? Well, it means that you just have options in situations where you need a lefty, and it means you can be a little bit more judicious. Mike Schultz can be a little bit more judicious with how you use a lefty. If you need a spot on the sixth inning where you need a lefty on lefty, right? Let's say it's Freddie Freeman and Shohei Otani coming up in the sixth inning. Well, if you want to go lefty-lefty, you can deploy Yuki Matsui for the sixth inning and still know that you've got Tom Cosgrove for later in the game. That's why it's important, and that's why having three really effective lefties in the bullpen could be a really, really, really good thing. 
We'll see. Hopefully, Natsui uh, gets back on a mound soon. All right, when we come back on this Friday edition of Winning Chris, we're going to play my conversation with Kyle Higashioka, new Padres catcher. Really good conversation. Had it earlier this week. You're going to want to hear it. Sam Levitt with you live from Padres Spring Training in Peoria, Arizona. Hour two of Winning Chris coming up when we come back. You're listening to San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. Three o'clock straight up, 97.3 The Fan. Sam Levitt with you. little solo Sammy for you on a Friday. Winning Chris continues. I'm here at Padres Spring Training, Peoria, Arizona, live from the now famous, I think, Airbnb. My Airbnb, I don't think as famous as uh, the Ben and Woods Airbnb <laughs> situation. My Airbnb has been terrific so far. I've had very, very uh, little issue at the Airbnb so far. So apparently I am a good Airbnb picker. Ben and Woods, uh, maybe not so much. But we roll along hour number two here at Padres Spring Training, uh, live from Arizona. Again, uh, we have Tony, Chris, both maybe joining at some point here in the program. We will hear from Bob Scanlon coming up at 340. Talk to Bob about general spring training thoughts. I've seen uh, Scan out here day in, day out in Peoria. And I know Scan was also at the game in Maryvale, where I think he went over there to see a lot of the young pitchers, Ariarte, Thorpe. So we're going to talk to Scan about what he saw today, what he's liked from some of the young arms, the rotation competition, all that good stuff coming up with Bob Scanlon at 340. May mix in some of your phone calls in this hour as well, certainly uh, in the hours to come. Do want to remind you, this hour on 97.3 The Fan is brought to you by the Farmer's Dog. All right. Uh, what else to get to before we uh, get to my interview with Kyle Higashioka, which, by the way, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, it's a really good conversation with Kyle. And we talk about his early years with the Yankees coming up around guys like Jeter and Posada and Rivera, his journey through the minor league, spent a long time in the minors, drafted in 2008, not yeah, didn't make his debut until 2017 in the big leagues. His new Padres teammates, we talk about Ethan Salas, Luis Campusano, uh, playing the guitar. He surfs. Good conversation with Kyle Higashioka. Get to it in a second. Play the whole thing for you from earlier this week. Uh, I do have bad news to pass along before we get to uh, Kyle Higashioka. Padres 0 for 2 on the day. 0 and 2 on the day. Falling in Maryvale 4 to 3 to the Brewers. Falling in Peoria 5 to 3 to the Angels. So, I don't know. Do I even go to the complex in the morning? Is it over? 0 and 2 on the day. That is some spring training overreaction for you. Not a great day for the Padres in the win column, but as we know in Cactus League play, the wins are really the <laughs> the last thing that matters. So, tough day in the uh on the scoreboard for the Padres, but we'll continue to dive into what happened today in these games. Some good pitching. Quinn and Chris. Padres, um, uh, good uh, pitching today for the Padres, despite uh, the final scores. All right, we'll get more into that again, Bob Scanlon, at 340. But like I said, really, really, really interesting conversation with Kyle Higashioka earlier this week. In fact, not to toot my own horn, but I will sort of uh, just uh, – advertise here if you will i've had some really good one-on-one 
conversations outside the clubhouse this spring training, whether that was with Jake Cronenworth, whether that was uh, Xander Bogarts, Kyle Higashioka, Michael King. I had a really good chat with Matt Waldron that I thought was really interesting on a number of fronts. And uh, you can find the clips uh uh, you can find the clips uh, throughout Twitter, Instagram. You can find the full interviews on YouTube. They've been really, really interesting. And I will say I really enjoyed this conversation in particular with Kyle Higashioka. Very interesting story. Uh, has a lot of interest. Uh, really interesting players he came up with. So for the next 10 minutes or so, enjoy getting to know new Padres catcher, part of the Juan Soto deal, Kyle Higashioka. Sam Levitt here at the Padres Spring Training Complex in Peoria, Arizona. And right now I'm joined by Padres catcher Kyle Higashioka. Kyle, let's start with a date. Let's throw it back a little bit. April 10th, 2017. Does that date ring a bell? Uh, yeah, my uh, debut. 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 That's right, Major League debut. Let's go back to that day. What were your emotions that day you get called up, you make your Major League debut with the New York Yankees? Yeah, I mean, just super nervous uh luckily i was only catching the ninth inning and uh we were up by five so it wasn't a huge pressure situation but um definitely definitely the moment was pretty overwhelming kyle you have a a really fascinating story i read once you likened your baseball journey to bull durham a a long journey through the minor leagues or at least i I read that somewhere (laughs) um when you think about that that journey through the minor leagues what comes to mind now now that you've really established yourself as a major leaguer Uh, i mean every experience i went through kind of has a an impact on your um on your development so um as a catcher experience is is pretty uh it can be pretty critical so um i'm just thankful for all the experiences i have had and that they've uh you know, hopefully affected me in a positive way, and I'm here now, so. Yeah. Uh, you were drafted in 2008 when you first got to the Yankees organization. I mean, you guys ha- you had guys like Jeter, like Basada there. What was it like coming up through the Yankees system, the early days and being around guys like that? Yeah, actually, the early days were kind of tough because, you you know, you'd walk into the Major League clubhouse in spring training, and you'd see all these superstars, and you just kind of ask yourself like how am I ever gonna get to the big leagues like they don't they don't call guys up they get just trade for all these superstars and (laughs) um but actually luckily you know when when I did start playing better in the minor leagues um they were they were bringing guys up um and so I got a great opportunity and and then it, it really paid off you talk about those days in the minor leagues and and like we said it was a long journey for you to get to New York what sort of kept you going as you're going day in, day out in the minors? I'm somebody who broadcasts in the minors, so I have a little taste of it, riding on the bus, going town to town. Each and every day, what, what kind of kept you going, keeping that, that quote-unquote dream alive? Um, I mean, I'd say just, I mean, you're just you're there to, to do your job. So, I mean, um, you know, at the end of the day, the, the, um, the light at the end of the tunnel is, is worth it for the grind that you have to go through in the minor leagues but um yeah i mean you're, you're there and you're playing for your teammates too i mean you, they can't have good seasons unless you know you you do your job so um you know that's kind of what it's about 16 years in the yankees organization you're part of the trade that came to san diego this past off season what has the process been like getting to know a, a brand new organization after spending so long in new york 
It's been really good. Uh, I think the transition's been pretty seamless, and yeah. the guys are great, staff's great, um, front offices have been great to me so far, and uh, so I'm really looking forward to the season. You're a real veteran presence on this team. What do you view as your role on this team in particular in 2024? Um, I mean, you know, when whenever I'm out there, I, I think, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do what I do, but... Um, you know, away from the field or just in the dugout. Um, I think it'll, you know, it'll be valuable for some of the younger guys to possibly, you know, bounce some ideas off me and right. I'll try to help with whatever advice I can give, um, especially, you know, Campy and yeah. Sully and even Salas. Um, you know, they've been, they've been, you know, asking me a lot of questions and I'm trying to give them as, you know, as good of advice as possible. So I'm just hoping to help in that aspect as well. Let's talk about two of the guys you mentioned, Luis Campusano. Speaking of younger players, uh, it'll be you and him, that tandem behind the plate this season. What have you learned, noticed about Luis Campusano so far? Uh, incredibly hard worker. I mean, he's he's in the gym every morning wow. and just just grinding a single day. So, uh, and he cares. And that's that's what you want as a, as a catcher. You want a guy that that cares about the team and winning and the pitching staff. And um, so, I mean, you know, he's got all the all the right makeup and all the right tools to be a really good catcher. Let's go to somebody even younger, Ethan Salas, 17 years old. From my perspective, you watch him in the clubhouse on the field. He, he seems like he belongs right where he is here at spring training. What have your early impressions been of Ethan Salas? Really good, really good. Um, I would have never guessed he was 17. Wow based on his maturity level. I mean, when I was 17, I definitely wasn't that mature. So, <laughs> um, yeah, he, I, I think he's got a, he's, he's got a pretty special skill set. And, and so, you know, down the road, he's going to be pretty pretty darn good player. A couple of non-baseball things for you. I know you play the guitar, and uh, it's kind of famously almost at this point play the guitar. So <laughs> take me through the process of learning how to play guitar and, and what are your skills like right now? Uh, I started learning when I was probably my first year in pro ball. Okay. And uh, I bought like a $50 acoustic guitar from a pawn shop in Tampa and then just carried it with me all season. And um, and then I switched to electric after that because I'm, I'm more of a rock guy. Okay. You know? um, but then I, so I, I learned myself for a few years and then I took some lessons from um, this guy named Dave Nassi. He was a... Uh, He's the lead guitarist for Kip Moore right now. Okay. So, um, but he was he was in Huntington Beach, local. So, um, took lessons from him for a couple of years, and that really kind of helped take me to the next level, which still isn't good, but it's like <laughs> it's kind of where I wanted to be. Um, so yeah. But it's good enough where you have played for guys in the clubhouse before, so you must be must be pretty good. I mean. Uh, if I play something, you know, usually it's recognizable. Okay. <laughs> Hell's Bells. That's one of your songs, right? Yeah, yeah. Somebody here, a closer, Hall of Famer Trevor yeah. Hoffman, that was his <laughs> song. Have You haven't played it for him yet, have you? No. Okay. No. Yeah, I'm going to have to practice it before... Uh, before that happens. Okay. I don't want to disrespect it. Oh, that, that's fair. <laughs> On the to-do list. Another non-baseball thing. I read that you do surf, or at least you, you surfed growing up. What is your surfing experience like? Because San Diego, California, pretty good place to surf. Yeah. Um, I actually started surfing after I started playing pro ball as okay. well. Um, so that was, that was fun. I mean, me and my buddies 
I had a couple other buddies in pro ball at the time that were we were training with, and we used to surf like pretty much every single day. There was a rideable wave. Wow. Um, so it was it was actually really good, really good cardio and um, good for the shoulders. But it, I mean, again, I'm not I'm not good at surfing. It's just. <laughs> It was really fun. <laughs> okay, so he's humble when it comes to surfing and the guitar. Don't be humble about baseball. I mean, this is a this is a pretty exclusive club, Major League Baseball players. It is interesting, though, as you're talking to me about surfing and guitar playing, these are things you picked up after you started playing pro ball. So what got you interested in, in maybe picking up hobbies that weren't baseball? Um, I think they were just stuff that I was interested in going through school like as a kid but never had time to do it because school and baseball is a is a big undertaking um you know parents made sure i got good grades so i was always kind of grinding burning both ends of the candle every night right uh, you know with homework and baseball and so never really had time for hobbies so once i got into pro ball it's like i only have to focus on baseball now there you so go. uh got plenty of time for for new hobbies let's finish up with something baseball related because as a, a veteran catcher I, I can't even imagine how many guys you've caught a baseball from from the mound uh, who and, and maybe let's go outside a musgrove a darvish a king who out of guys you've caught this spring has really impressed you maybe uh, names that padres fans wouldn't even be as familiar with um there's a young kid iriarte yeah. i was really impressed with and um yeah, I, I think everybody's been really impressed with uh, Brito and Vasquez yeah. as well. Um, I mean, I have a history with them, but right, right. Um, you know, I, last time I caught Waldron in the game, he was really good. Okay. And um, so, I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of good arms here, and, and I'm pretty confident going into this season. You mentioned Waldron. How much experience do you have catching the knuckleball? Not much, but luckily last game I didn't miss any, so okay. it was, it was All good. Right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, Kyle, great having you here. It's been a lot of fun uh, meeting you and Michael King and Randy and Johnny and all these former Yankees, a lot of former Yankees now yeah. uh, here in San Diego. Best of luck with everything this season, and I'm sure I'll talk to you as uh, the season goes along. All right. Thanks, Sam. Was uh, Kyle Higashioka, new Padres catcher. Big thank you to Kyle again for taking some time with me earlier this week. Really, really good stuff. We've had a number of really good one-on-one -on -one interviews. Michael King, Kyle Higashioka, Xander Bogarts, Jake Cronenworth, Matt Waldron. My plan is to continue to uh, to do those throughout the next couple of weeks and hopefully get one with Manny, one with Fernando Tatis Jr., focus on a few different topics. So uh, good stuff there, and hopefully you enjoyed getting to know Kyle Higashioka a little bit better. Really interesting story, right? Somebody who it took a really long time to make his major league debut at sort of that prototypical, uh, you know, long minor league journey. Uh, you heard during the interview, uh, me, me, uh, mentioned that, uh, Kyle Higashioka once said his favorite movie is Bull Durham and kind of likened his life to Bull Durham, uh, in the minor leagues. So, uh, long road to get here. Very nice uh, career with the Yankees. And now a San Diego Padre and somebody who should play quite a bit. Somebody obviously who, uh, will be that tandem with Kyle Higashi, uh, with, uh, excuse me, Luis Camposano and, uh, hopefully a good influence on, uh, Camposano, Ethan Salas, all the, the younger catchers on this roster that, uh, are, in all likelihood, going to play a really big role for the Padres for years to come. All right. Coming up, 
as uh, we roll along here on Gwyn and Chris on this Friday, a little Sammy solo edition, at least for the first half here. And we'll see Tony and Chris may join a little bit later on. When we come back, we'll hit a couple of stories from around Major League Baseball. We'll get to those quickly at 340. Bob Scanlon will join. He'll talk about what he saw today at the game in Maryvale, some of the young pitchers that threw for the Padres today, his general thoughts about spring training. The Padres now under two weeks from leaving for Korea. So we'll talk with Bob Scanlon. And then at the very top of the hour at 4 p.m., we'll see what we do. Maybe play some more interviews. Uh, we'll, uh, who knows, maybe we'll uh, take some of your phone calls. So we'll figure it out on the fly here as we go along this Friday program of Gwyn and Chris. We'll be back after this. But first, let's get some traffic. Twenty-two on the fan. Sam Levitt with you here from Peoria, Arizona, filling in for Gwyn and Chris. Little solo Sammy for you on a uh, Friday afternoon. All right, where is my echo coming from? Right there. Have my laptop volume on. We don't need the YouTube <laughs> coming through the laptop. Anyway, Sam Levitt with you here from Peoria, Arizona. Padres spring training. Little fill-in on Gwyn and Chris today. Uh, may hear from Tony later in the program. May hear from Chris later in the program as well. Matt Scraby under the weather. Everybody send their well wishes to Scraby. Not feeling well. Sounds like he's got a little flu situation going on. So, Scraby, hope you're feeling better. I think you owe me. What does Scraby owe me today for my solo Sammy edition of his program? Um, A steak dinner, maybe? Maybe Adam Klug has something he can think of a steak dinner, maybe a nice trip to Texas Roadhouse sometime. There's a new Texas Roadhouse in the San Diego area, I read. Maybe something like that. I don't think Scraby and I have ever enjoyed a dinner together. So maybe Scraby and I will go out to dinner and he'll buy me a steak. Maybe that's uh, that's how we'll get even. I'm just joking, Scraby. Hope you feel uh, hope you feel better. If there's one thing I know about Matt Scraby, he truly, truly uh, did feel bad for for I don't want to say putting me in this position today because I'm fine. We're having a nice show. We're rolling along. We're talking Padres. But this was a uh, how do I say this was kind of like a, a two hour notice uh, situation today where uh, had to roll solo. But we're making it work. We got a lot of moving parts. Some in here in Peoria. My goodness, I've got enough to talk about. Enough. Uh, content to give you so all good we got a lot coming up here in this hour we'll talk to bob scanlon coming up at 3 40 we'll get scans thoughts on the padres on spring training i I get to see scan every morning here in peoria and uh, we'll catch up with scan he was at the game in maryvale today and if you are just joining us uh padres lost both games today at spring training in the cactus league not a good day they lost to the angels at home They lost to the Brewers on the road, and the sky is falling. Just kidding. It is not falling. No big deal with the spring training results, but plenty to take away from the spring training games. And, again, we'll talk to Bob Scanlon about that coming up at 3.40. Top of the hour at 4 o'clock, I think we're going to do a little Sammy versus the fans. No Chris versus the fans today, but Sammy versus the fans. We'll do that. May take some of your phone calls in the 4 o'clock hour as well, continue to uh, give you some content from Padre Spring Training and all that good stuff coming your way. All right, as uh, we have a few minutes here, let's touch on a couple of uh, Major League Baseball headlines from today. 
And let's not start with anything on the field. Let's start with everybody's favorite topic here at spring training this year, and that is the uniforms, the jerseys. Reading this from NBC Sports, from the AP, in fact. Reading it. Baseball Players Association head Tony Clark is hopeful 2024 uniforms will soon be altered following complaints by his members. The uniforms, designed by Nike and manufactured by Fanatics, have been criticized by players for pants that are somewhat see-through and for lettering, sleeve, emblems, and numbering that are less bulky and apparently smaller. And I will tell you, this is me talking now, I will tell you, the names are an issue. It is a real issue. I'm telling you, I'm sitting in the second deck of Cactus League stadiums. I'm not that far away. You can barely see what the name is on the back of the jersey. It is a major issue. It's not good. It looks bad. It's not good marketing of your players. I don't get it. I don't know who decided that. I don't know why you would do that, but it looks it looks bad. It looks really bad. Back to the article. Quote, and this is Tony Clark talking, you just don't expect to have conversations about uniforms. And so having them, I'm hopeful and this goes back to what we suggested before, in picking up the phone and talking to all the folks involved, having some appreciation for folks paying attention to it now, perhaps more so than they were before spring started yet. That was uh, confusing to read that quote, but I guess the first part is what you want to hear. You don't have to, uh, you just don't expect to have conversations about uniforms. So uh, let's see, is there anything else here on this? So it's essentially the takeaway, at least from this article, is that uh, apparently they're going to try to uh, uh, to uh, make the alterations necessary. Now, I did see this via The Athletic. This was posted four hours ago, not to get too far into uniform gate. But uh, Michael Rubin, the CEO of Fanatics, did comment to The Athletic or he did, um, I should say, this was at the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference in Massachusetts. Well, let me read it here. The manufacturer of the Major League Baseball uniforms unveiled this spring. Fanatics has been widely panned in recent weeks, in part because player pants are too see-through. Michael Rubin, the company's CEO, said Friday that Fanatics is taking undue heat as fans and players individually and as the mlbpa that's the players association have criticized the nike design uniforms quote we've purely been doing exactly as we're told we've been told we've done ex everything exactly right and we're getting um the bleep kicked out of ourselves every day right now that's michael rubin talking he said quote that's not fun normally when i get beat up it's because i actually did something wrong Well, that doesn't sound like he agrees there's a problem. Um, why is it? Let me say this. Why is it with baseball that we're constantly having discussions about things that are not the game? Right. Like think about spring training the last handful of years. The lockout last year it was the rules, which was a little bit different because that was baseball related. But it was new. It was a big topic. And this year, it's two main topics outside of the game. It's uniforms and it's free agents. All these guys that haven't signed yet. So I read one article here from the AP posted today where, where apparently they're they're making alterations. They're, they're hoping the MLBPA is that they're making alterations. <laughs> and we read that quote from, uh, from Michael Rubin. You know what I would love? Whether it's the league 
or Fanatics or Nike to just say, hey, whatever it is, it's not working for the players and they're not happy with it. And we need to adjust it and whatever's wrong, we will fix it to make it better for both the fans and the players. This should not be a battle. It should not be controversial. It should be easy. This seems like something that should be easy. And if you need to fix it, you fix it. If the pants are see-through, you find a way to fix it. This is Major League Baseball. This is a billion upon billion dollar industry. This is silly. It's just silly. Should not be this hard. And I wish, whether it's the league or Fanatics, Michael Rubin, come out and say, all right, well, we thought they were okay. They're not, apparently. And we got to fix it. And we're going to find a way to fix it. Why? That's not hard. So, anyway, that's on the uniforms. An ongoing situation. Um, What else here to get to as far as headlines? We uh, saw earlier this week, Kike Hernandez is back to the Dodgers on a one-year deal, $4 million. That was after the Manuel Margot trade. He went to the Twins. That cleared a roster spot for Kike Hernandez. Back to the Dodgers, place he knows well. Uh, he went on the uh, Foul Territory YouTube show and podcast. I think this was yesterday. And uh, I'll say what he said here. He said, quote, I'm not going to say the C word, but I think the C word needs a capital C. He's referring to the word collusion. Um, the timing of the calls was very similar. He's talking about the teams. He said, quote, the numbers were pretty much the same throughout. Hernandez continued to say, I think the teams are using these computer systems to project numbers, project salaries. They're all using the same one, and I think they all have the same password. So that's how free agency is going, and it's not just me. Uh, Hernandez continued, there are still a lot of really good quality baseball players, big leaguers that are more than capable of being everyday guys on a lot of teams. And the fact that they're still out there, it's a shame. It was a very weird offseason, and, and it still is for some guys. It doesn't seem like things are picking up either for some of those guys, which is shameful. All right, um, look, I don't know that I would go as far to, to use that, that, that C word that he's talking about, which is collusion. Um, but I will say this. It's been a very odd offseason. It really has. And... It's strange, it's odd, it's unfortunate that guys like Snell and Jordan Montgomery and still Matt Chapman and before a few days uh, days ago, Cody Bellinger are out there unsigned here on March 1st. It's hard to believe, and I don't think it's good for the sport. Um, it takes a lot of the buzz out of free agency. This slog of signings in this drip, 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 drip of signings. It's just, it's not fun. I mean, at this point, we should be focusing on spring training and not where multiple and some of the biggest free agents of the offseason on where they're going. Um, you know, look, there's clearly a few reasons for, for what's happened here. You have some teams that have spent in the past, including the Padres, that are not spending that way right now. The Mets, the Rangers, the TV situations are so uncertain for a lot of teams right now. That plays into it. But it has been odd to see somebody like Kike Hernandez, who hasn't had a couple of great years, but to see him get signed so late, it is odd. To see um, somebody even like Tommy Pham um, 
struggle to find a, a deal, find a home, is odd. Been a weird off season, and I think it's a mix of uncertainty with the TV revenue. It's a mix of teams not being willing to spend a number of them like they have in years past. And I think a lot of teams looking at younger options and saying they'd rather do do that than spend money on one-year deals for older players. It just is what it is. So it's been an odd offseason. You can look at it whatever way you want. I don't think it's good for the game the way this offseason has transpired. I really don't. I really don't. And I understand we may hear from John Heyman a little bit uh, later. We'll get to that a little bit later in the show. But it's been odd, and it hasn't been fun. I, I, you know, I don't know that the Players Association would ever agree to a deadline for free agency or a signing period for free agency. But all I know is this doesn't work the way it's transpiring. It's not fun. It's not good for the fans. It's not good for the teams. It's not good for the players. Who is it good for? Maybe Scott Boris, if he can ultimately get the money he wants. Tell you what, he didn't get it with Cody Bellinger. It's a good deal for Bellinger, good deal for the Cubs, but they were looking for way more money and way more years than what he ultimately got. And ultimately, Bellinger did not get the long-term big, big money deal. He didn't. So, look, it's going to be very interesting for Scott Boris to see what happens with these three guys, Chapman and J.D. Martinez, two, four guys, Martinez, Chapman, uh, Snell, and Montgomery to see what kind of deals they get and if those guys have to sort of settle for more of a deal like Cody Bellinger signed. A lot of factors, I think, play into it, but I don't like it. I don't like the way it's all played out. All right, when we come back, Bob Scanlon, Padres, TV broadcaster, will join me talk about what he saw at one of the games today in Maryvale, the young pitchers, general Padres spring training thoughts, and we continue on. Sammy Solo with you from spring training here in Peoria, Arizona. More to come after this on 97.3 The Fan. 341 here on 97.3 The Fan. Sam Levitt with you from Padres Spring Training in Peoria, Arizona. Filling in for Tony and Chris. Might hear from Tony and or Chris coming up later in the program. Matt Scraby a little bit under the weather, so you're rolling with me on this Friday afternoon. This segment of Gwen and Chris is presented by Spiro's Mediterranean Cuisine. If you love Mediterranean food, try Spiro's for authentic Mediterranean cuisine in Coronado or La Jolla for dining or takeout options, visit SpirosCuisine.com. And I do love Mediterranean food. Absolutely delicious, Spiros is. We'll talk to Bob Scanlon in a moment. First, some traffic. Little last-minute fill-in today, so I'm calling in the tall right-hander from the bullpen. We're joined right now by Padres broadcaster Bob Scanlon with me here in Arizona. He went to Maryvale to check out one of the split squad games today. Mr. Scanlon, good to talk to you. How is your day going in Arizona? Great to talk with you as well, Sam. I guess the Gwen and Chris show is now the Sam and Scan show. So uh, <laughs> how's the pinch hitting going for you today? It's going well. The pinch hitting's going well. And, yes, I'm going to pitch that to Adam, the Sam and Scan show. Scan, <laughs> I like it. Uh, okay, so, Scan, you went down to the split squad uh, in Maryvale. I stayed in Peoria. So I, I want to start with uh, the game in Maryvale because a lot of young, talented arms pitched for the Padres, and I'm sure that's part of the reason you went. You wanted to see those exciting young arms. So let's start with Jairo Iriarte, very highly touted right-hander, two innings today, unearned run given up, struck out one, walked one. 
has been good in the Cactus League for the most part. I've watched some live BPs with you on the backfields, Very Arts A. This stuff looks really sharp. What have your impressions been of this very talented, hard-throwing right-hander, Jairo Ariarte? Yeah, Sam, you know me too well. I'm always chasing that pitching around the desert, aren't I? Yeah, and today was no exception. So uh, it was fun. It was fun to go out there, and he was one of the primary reasons that I wanted to head out to Maryvale today. He's been so electric in his live BPs and just watching him, and I hadn't really seen him face the live hitters very much. I shouldn't say live hitters, but in-game hitters. Uh, so, you know, quite frankly, I don't think he had his best stuff today. We've seen his fastball more explosive and his better velo, but even without his best stuff today, he got through the two innings, as you mentioned. Um, so it was encouraging for me because that's what you want to see. How do guys perform when they're not at their best? And, you know, he battled. He used his fastball on both sides of the plate. I like the changeup. I like the slider. Uh, I think this is a, a young guy that we could see before the year is over. And in in either the bullpen or the starting rotation. I think the Padres, understandably, are doing all they can to try to stretch him out and keep him as a starting option, which totally makes sense because you can always back a guy off. Um, And and he's got the stuff to maintain. So that that was the one thing I was kind of curious about as well. How much higher does his stuff play coming out of the bullpen versus a starter? And as a starter, can he maintain it over multiple innings? And from everything I've heard, he's still, you know, 94, 96 after, you know, five or six innings. So the stuff maintains. And that's the question of the command, uh, you know, as, as the pitch count goes higher in the, in the ball games, which I just haven't had a chance to see yet. But as far as the stuff right. goes, uh, it's electric and it, it was, it's fun to watch. And it was nice to see him uh, put up a couple of solid innings today with, with, without the best fastball. Let's run down the box score here a little bit. Drew Thorpe followed Jairo Iriarte, two scoreless innings. He struck out four, allowed one hit, no walks. I read a tweet you, you sent out, Scan. Uh, you said, Thorpe with a scoreless frame and two punch outs on his Bugs Bunny changeup. That pitch is sick. So, Bob, tell me more <laughs> about the changeup. Well, we, we knew when the trade was made for Juan Soto that Thorpe was a key part of it, and we knew the changeup was really good. What has stood out to you now watching that changeup for a couple of weeks in person? <laughs> well, what stood out is it's unhittable pretty much. I mean, yeah. Sam, it's not often, and I don't know if you saw my follow-up tweet after that, but I was literally laughing in the stands today, which doesn't happen very often when I'm watching guys just swinging and missing at this pitch, and that's how good that changeup was today. Um, he had all four strikeouts came on the changeup. It, w- it were situations where the batter saw multiple changeups, sometimes back-to-back changeups. And what I really love today is, well, I mean, there are multiple things, but I mean, Thorpe for me, was, that was the most exciting part of the day, not just because of the changeup, but he used it effectively not only against the left-handers, but the right-handers were foiling at it just as much. So this is a pitch that plays the righties and lefties. And, and one of the reasons is because, his changeup is unique, and if you just look at it from an analytic standpoint, there would probably be some people that say, well, this isn't really that good a pitch. It doesn't have a lot of vertical drop on it, which is what you normally like to see out of changeups, right? We see guys swinging over the top of it, so to speak. Um, but his just – it looks so much like his fastball coming in, even though it doesn't have a whole lot of drop. That's one of the things that actually seems to still be fooling hitters is they – even if they pick up the speed, they think it's going to drop, and then it just hangs on, and it'll catch the bottom part of the strike zone. So it is identical coming out of his hand, rotation-wise, arm speed-wise, tunneling-wise, and guys, 
despite the fact that it doesn't have a whole lot of, of vertical action on the end of it, still just swing and miss at it. They just flail at it to the point where he can throw it multiple times in a row and guys still don't adjust. They just don't pick it up. So that, that, that alone, that's what had me laughing in the stand today. But the other part of it was he's not a one trick pony. It's not as though, okay, well, you can just sit on that change up and guys are going to catch up to it. No, he's got 92, 93 on the fastball, which obviously plays higher coming off the change up. But even more importantly, that was really impressive today was his command. He was starting guys off with the curveball. I mean, maybe his second or third best pitch, right? But just dropping it in for a strike. Then he's putting fastballs on both sides of the plate. He also showed a nice cutter today, which he's able to put on the hands of the left-handers. It all set, you know, all set the stage for that changer to be even more effective and vice versa. So it was just a really fun day watching this young man work out there. And it's the kind of stuff also, Sam, where you look at it and you say, okay, well, you know, some guys have stuff that plays at a lower level, but at the higher levels, guys are going to catch up. They're not going to be fooled. Look, if you're locating like that, change-ups play at every level. Uh, if you got a good change-up, it can, it can ride you all the way to the big leagues, and this kid was really impressive today. Excellent breakdown scan and, and good to hear because we knew about Drew Thorpe coming into spring training. The numbers last year in his first pro season in the Yankee system were awesome and he's showing the stuff now at spring training. Again, we're joined by Bob Scanlon, Padres TV broadcaster right now on today's edition of Winning Chris here on 97.3 The Fan. Scan, let's stay with that game in Maryvale today. Focus on a couple of players. Let's begin with Jackson Merrill. Had a base mm-hmm. hit today. He was back in center field for a third consecutive start in the field. Playing center field, a place <laughs> that he, that he's never played before as of a handful of days ago. Um, let's just go big picture on Merrill so far these first couple of weeks. What are you seeing at the plate? What are you seeing in the outfield? How do you frame what Jackson Merrill is doing in the context of, of this opportunity he's being given? Well, you, you pointed it out. It is interesting how we've seen him in center field three days in a row, right? I mean, that's, that's right. not by accident. Um, and we'd heard talk of him possibly getting a chance to play some center field. He worked out there uh, during the offseason a little bit, and certainly in spring training, most of his early reps were in center, even though uh, the early games were in left. And when I say left field, this is the toughest left field and I think all the professional baseball to play a Peoria sports complex on a day game. I've seen more veteran outfielders lose balls in the sky out there. Uh, it's one of the worst. So for him to handle it so far the way he did, I was like, hey, kudos to you, man. Jack, you're killing it out there just by not losing a ball in the sun. So he's handled himself really well. Now he's been in center field the last three days, and you're wondering, okay, well, how are the routes out there? And they've been pristine. He's getting great first jumps. He's taking good routes. Today he had a ball that he had to run down at the base of the wall, did a great job with it. It wasn't the flip-flopping back and forth, right, of a guy unsure of himself. He's he's just a great athlete, and he's put some work in out there, and you can just tell he's not uncomfortable in the outfield. He's got the physical skills to do it. He has the arm to be able to do it. And to your point, not only was it a third day in a row of of being in center field, which means, okay, they're taking a serious look to see how this plays, um, but also – Jacob Marcy, who really is a center fielder and the guy that I think coming into spring training, if you had asked the front office, well, between Maryland and Marcy, which one would you probably see in center field more likely? It would have been Jacob Marcy. He was in left field today. So that was an interesting experiment as well to see how those two interacted. Now, there was one ball that went to the gap and the sort of miscommunication and on the ground it got by him for extra bases. Um, But other than that, they both did a fine job. And Jackson Merrill, for me, has, has been great in the outfield. It's been fun to watch. And if I can transition to the hitting side of it real quickly, 
he had a base hit today. It was a two out, a two strike hit. Imagine that. This kid has such a great two strike <laughs> approach. But he actually had another at bat today, which ended up being an out. It'll just be in the scorebook as a ground out. But he fell behind the count zero and two, and he worked it to three and two, and he did it by fouling off six. I think at least six pitches. Some of them really well located. Fastballs in on the hand. They tried the backdoor breaking ball. They tried elevating the fastball, and all of them he was able to get a piece of and just work, work, work. And I think. To me, that was, even though it ended up being an out, it was just a clinic on a two-strike approach, being able to foul pitches off. It turned into a productive out, forcing the opposing pitcher to throw 10 or 11 pitches. That's some pretty nasty ones, too. Uh, and it's just, I think, symbolizes what type of a hitter this young kid is, right? He is a hitter right. first. Eventually, the power is going to show up. He prides himself on his approach to the plate. He prides himself on his eye. He prides himself on being able to work counts like I just described. Um, and, again, those are the type of things that, that hopefully play at every level. Uh, and the way he's going right now, Sam, I, I don't think you would disagree. He's a guy that is making a serious bid to break, uh, break camp with this ball club. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you, Scan. Again, we're joined by Bob Scanlon, Padres TV broadcaster here on Gwyn and Chris 97.3, The Fan. Scan, let's finish up with this. No secret, the final two rotation spots. A lot of guys in the mix. Randy Vasquez today, he's in the mix. Three innings, one earned run given up today. The other names, you know, Avila and Waldron and Brito and maybe some other guys, too. The other day, uh, uh, Mike Schultz was asked uh, who's in that mix, and he said who isn't, right? So there are a lot of names. Uh, it, there are a lot of names in the mix. Scan just generally finishing up here, at least at this point, two and a half weeks in, under two weeks to go until this team leaves for Korea. How do you view this group right now competing for those two spots? I think it's still a free-for-all, really, because no yeah. one has pitched. I, I don't want to say anyone's grabbed it, right? But at the same time, nobody has given it away. I mean, everyone has really pitched well and kept themselves in the hunt, which is a nice thing. Um, to take a guy like Matt Waldron, for example, I think he's come into camp looking so much more advanced than what we saw at the end of last season. He's confident with that knuckleball. It's dancing all over the place. He's using it early in the counts now as well, not just late. He, but even more importantly, his fastball and slider command have also gotten better to go with it. So it, you, you look at all of these guys, and you just feel like they've all got a shot. I love watching Johnny Brito throw. What a, what a clean delivery. And just gets right. to both sides of the plate every single time that he wants to. So I, I think the battle is on. Uh, and I think it's, so far it's all because everyone's pitching well, not because everyone's pitching poorly and like, oh, okay, which of these tough options right. do we need to go with? And hopefully it stays that way till the end because if it does, not only do they have the option, they can't go wrong with picking whoever they pick to be in the top two, but one of those or two of those guys go to the bullpen. That gives you additional depth there. And no matter who, who starts it, Sam, I think, you know, let me know if you disagree, but I think at some point all of these guys will probably get a chance to get some start. Yeah. Um, you know, just because of the rotating guys through the innings, issues that might come up with certain guys. So it's good that the Padres have that kind of depth, and I think they're going to be using it throughout the season. Yeah, great point. Absolutely. The uh, the innings part of it may play a, a really big role. Scan, appreciate the time, my friend. Thank you for doing this. I will see you tomorrow morning. Thanks so much. Great job. Pinch shooting, Sam. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> All right. That is Bob Scanlon joining us uh, from here in Arizona. I'm here in Arizona, too. We are done with two hours little solo Sammy for you on a Friday. Gwen and Chris, when we come back, Sammy versus the fans. Maybe some of your phone calls, Padres thoughts coming up.
You're listening to San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. Four o'clock in America's finest city. Sam Levitt with you live from Peoria, Arizona. A little solo Sammy edition of Gwen and Chris on this Friday as we bring you up until 6 p.m. heading towards the weekend. Good to have you with us. May hear from Tony Gwynn Jr., Chris Sello, a little bit later in the program. We just heard from Bob Scanlon. Great conversation with Scans about the young pitchers he saw today, the split squad in Maryvale, Hyrule Arts Age, Ruth Thorpe. I think uh, Scan very excited about both of those young arms. How about that changeup from Drew Thorpe? Very excited about that. And, uh, again, if you're just joining us, Padres lost both the split squad games today, the one in Maryvale, the one in Peoria. No big deal as uh, the competition for the final two spots in the rotation continue. We continue to keep a close eye on the two outfield spots, the DH spot with Jackson Merrill's doing, Jacob Marcy's doing. They both had base hits today, and uh, we continue on our Padres coverage here on 97.3 The Fan, and I am coming to you from Peoria, Arizona. Well, technically, I, I, you know, I think my Airbnb is actually in Phoenix. I think it's in the city of Phoenix. It's very close. I'm not going to tell you where I am, but... It is very close to the football stadium. I'll tell you that. I am pretty close to the football stadium, uh, State Farm Stadium, I think it is, uh, where the Arizona Cardinals play. So that's where I am, and uh, I'm with you right now. I'm winning Chris from Arizona. All right. It's about that time. Sammy versus the fans. If you want to be a contestant, number to call, 833-288-0973. Again, 833 288 0973, the number if you want to get involved for not Chris versus the fans, Sammy versus the fans. And for those that play me today in Sammy versus the fans, you will be, if you win, qualified for our grand prize, a two-night stay at Westgate Las Vegas and two tickets to Air Supply. With a legacy spanning decades, Air Supply continues to captivate hearts. Now in their 45th anniversary year, the duo continues to play more than 130 shows a year worldwide. Join us in celebrating their music and enduring legacy on May 31st and June 1st, 2024 at the Westgate International Theater at Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino. Get tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. The Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino features newly designed premier rooms, part of their $70 million room renovations home of legendary vegas fun all right we're gonna have adam klug back in the studio host sammy versus the fans if you had one shot one opportunity to take down the human almanac himself howdy do now is your time listen to me this guy is dangerous now is your opportunity to win a prize well i hope you know jen for chris versus the fans starts now on 97.3 the fan you know, Sam, earlier in the show, you were wondering, you know, what Matt Scraby owes you for you filling in for him on short yes. notice and how we get back at him. This is kind of the part of the show where we like to take shots at him, at, uh, uh, you know, at certain times, specifically about what the difficulty of these questions, right, and whether or not these are truly first round worthy questions, etc. So I'll let you be the judge of that. Okay. Rules of the game are as follows. You'll get three questions. You'll start at the first round. If you get it right, you move on to the second round. If you get it wrong, Sam gets a chance to answer it. If he gets it right, you get knocked out. We go to the next caller. If Sam gets it wrong, then you get your chance to go to the next round. If you make it through three rounds, you're a winner for the day. And if you're a first-time player, 
You get the first question for free. That work? Works for me. Sorry, I'm not in on the uh, first time playa thing. You got to go playa. If you out there on an island. It's, it's all good. Let's welcome in our first caller. We've got Christian on the line. Christian, what's up? Hey, Sammy, thanks for holding down for us, man. Yeah, you got it. All right, Christian, I know you know how to play. You ready to go? Yeah, let's do it. All right. The Aztecs football team plays Cal later this year. What conference is Cal in now that the Pac-12 no longer exists? Again, this is what Scraby decides the first round question. Uh, I'm going to guess not. What? Hold tight for us. Sammy, you got a chance here. What conference is Cal going to? Um, out of all these conferences, huh? Cal was Cal, huh? Need an answer Cal here. Cal football, Adam. Cal yes. football. Yes. Are they going to? This is supposed to be a layup um, question. Come on, Scraby. They going to the the Big Twelve? Big Christian survives. Cal is going to be on. in the ACC because oh. nothing screams Atlantic Coast Conference like the uh, University yeah, of California. <laughs> what? Wow. That's I should have got that one. This That's is realignment All right. for you. That's All right. Good. Question number two. What former athletics pitcher won MVP and Cy Young in 1992? Oh, man, the year before I was born. Got a young cat in here. What'd you say? I don't have an answer. I'm going to have to give you a buzzer on that one. (laughs) Sammy, what former A's pitcher won MVP and Cy Young in 1992? MVP and Cy Young. Um, 92. MVP and Cy Young. Is it Dennis Eckersley? There you go. Ah, Dennis Eckersley. Thanks for playing, Christian. All right. All right. Yeah, that was was not that hard. Well, when when you think about... Cy Young caliber A's pitchers like that era. Like a Dave Stewart. Yeah, you know what? I got to tell. I got to tell you though. I don't know that I. That I really knew off the top of my head that he was an MVP. To welcome in Cy Tom- Young, sure. Let's okay. welcome in Thomas. Okay, hi Thomas. Hey, Sammy, how you doing? Real, real quick, you know the Western Metal Building there at Petco Park. When it was a warehouse, my dad actually worked there for thirteen years. Wow, awesome. Very yeah, very cool. Thank you for sharing that, and I am uh, I am honored to to now work in that building during the home games as well. Very cool. Yeah, cool. Scraby with a lot of uh, conference realignment questions here. I'm gonna I'm gonna avoid oh them as best yeah. as I can here. Let's get going. All right, question number one. <laughs> what do you win if you take home the Cactus League title? 
This is a round oh one my. question, right, Sam? What do you... Oh, uh, This is for Thomas. You, you know what, Adam? I hope you talk to crazy about all these. This, this is a round one question? Yeah. It's an easy no one. Idea. It's, it's no a true idea. round one question. What do you get? I have no idea. Oh, give me a guess. It's easy. Uh, I don't know. I Really, seriously, I don't know. Sam, give it a guess. I feel like it's a trick question. It, <laughs> Do you get nothing? Bragging rights? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> nothing. That's not even That's not even a question. Oh, my. See, now we got to give Scravey a hard swing. <laughs> Thanks for thanks for playing, Thomas. Yeah, for for a second, for for a second, I truly thought the answer was going to be like they get some sort of cactus plant. But I've I've now been at spring training long enough the last couple of years that if there was a prize of winning the cactus league, I'd know it. So well, I was there. You go. The answer was nothing. nothing. Yes. All right. Welcoming in so Robert nice. here. Sam, say hi to Robert. Hi, Robert. Hey, Sam. Think this. I think this one's a little easier. We're gonna get this one. We're gonna. <laughs> what have you gotten? The the combination has gotten one correct answer so far. Let's get let's get going on this one. New Aztecs head football coach Sean Lewis coached for what college team last year? Idaho. Just as I say, it's an easy one. Adam, what is Colorado? Someone's been paying attention to their college football. Thank you, Sammy. Let's well, bring on Brandon. On. Say hi to Brandon. Hi, Brandon. What's up? What's up, Sam? What's up, Adam? Hey, what's up, dude? Thanks for listening. Here we go. Which two teams currently make up the Pack 2 Oregon State and Washington State. Very good. Moving on to question number two. How did the Padres acquire Jacob Marcy? How did he become a member of the Padres organization? Did they draft him? Sure did. 2022. That's a second round question. Scraby, what are we doing? All right. <laughs> All right, round three. What player holds the record for most hits in Giants franchise history? Giants franchise hits leader. How about Willie Mays? I'm sorry, you say Willie Mays? Yeah. We got a winner. All right. How about that, uh, Sam? Got a winner. Nice Brandon, hold job. on the line, All okay? Right. Congratulations, Brandon. All right, congratulations, Brandon. Great job. And uh, great job by Brandon. All right, so that was a nice uh, addition of Sammy versus the fans, no doubt about it. Congratulations to 
Brandon. Great job by him. All right. Uh, we got a few minutes here before uh, the end of this segment. Um, <laughs> again, Sammy Solo with you, Gwen and Chris. Uh, we will uh, maybe take some phone calls in our next segment. We'll also uh, revisit uh, some of the free agency conversation we had earlier, what Kike Hernandez had to say. Uh, hear from John Heyman, what he had to say about Blake Snell's situation, because I think it is worth talking about and interesting to consider what are these other free agents going to sign for? I mean, is somebody like Blake Snell, for example, here on March 1st, is he realistically going to get anywhere close to the deal that he initially and his agent initially wanted Scott Boris? Is that realistic on March 1st? I don't know. Does the fact that, like does the Snell, fact that does the fact that Snell yeah. might be willing to take a short term deal does that open up a potential return to the Padres? I don't know. I not I, I I doubt it. Not if they want to stay under the CBT. I mean, still on a one year deal. I mean, let's let's say it's something similar to Bellinger, right? Where he gets, I think Bellinger was going to make thirty million this year with the opt out. So let's say Blake made twenty something even, which he's going to get. He should get. That, that number's too high, even for this year. I, I don't see it. Um, but I think it, it is – Blake's case in particular is interesting for a couple of reasons. Number one, not just the, the deal itself, right? What does it look like? But we're getting to a point here for the pitchers, both Snell and Montgomery, it is March 1st. You're getting to a point where if I'm a team, I'm questioning, wondering – whether those guys will be ready to go the first week of the year. Um, I think that's a legitimate concern. I know those guys, you know, reportedly have been throwing, working out at, at Boris's facility, wherever they are, staying ready. But by the time they get going at this point, keep in mind, they have not even signed yet. By the time they get to a spring training complex, are those guys going to be ready? And if you're signing somebody, let's say like a Blake Snell, to a shorter-term deal, Let's say even a Cody Bellinger-like deal where it's one year and then an opt-out. Well, if you're going to pay him, let's say, $30 million, $20-something million for one year, but now that one year he's getting to spring training this late and might not be ready at this point for late March, April, uh, put it this way. In my view, the situation is not getting better for those guys. It's not. Um and I'm fascinated to see how it works out because if they're just waiting on on the long-term deal and for a team to blink, I'm not so sure that's happening. Not at this point in early March. So I don't know. We're getting to a really weird point with Snell, Montgomery, you know, Chapman as well. But the pitchers in particular, hitters can get ready quickly. You know, maybe they're not as ready as they would be during a normal spring training. But you see enough pitching, you get live at bats, you get in some games, and maybe you're ready to go. Pitching, you have to ramp up. You have to go through a progression. There's not much rush to that. There isn't. So if if you're bringing Snell or Montgomery in on even a short-term deal, I mean, are you wondering about the first year of that deal now? Very, very interesting and odd situation, really is. So we'll uh, we'll play that from John Heyman. I'll also start taking your phone calls, and we'll mix in some some spring training content here as well. Uh, but if you want to call in, talk a little Padres, you know, 
let me know what are what are your predictions for 2024? What are you confident in? What are your concerns about this roster right now? The way things are transpiring at spring training, how things look right now, where guys might play, the opportunities for young guys, whatever you want to talk about, it'll be a, a fairly open floor. So we'll take some phone calls, 833-288-0973. Again, 833-288-0973. We'll play that audio from John Heyman, maybe mix in at some point here in the next uh Hour 45 minutes, one of uh, my lengthier spring training interviews, in case you haven't heard that on social media. And uh, we'll continue on on this Friday afternoon. More Gwyn and Chris, but first, traffic here on 97.3 The Fan. 422 on 97.3 The Fan on this Friday afternoon. Sam Levitt with you from Peoria, Arizona. Padres spring training. little solo Sammy for you. Gwyn and Chris may hear from Chris Ello. Tony Gwynn Jr. coming up here before the program comes to an end, taking you up until 6 p.m. Matt Scraby under the weather today. Hope uh, Scraby's feeling better. So you're uh, on the afternoon drive on this Friday, first day of March. You got me, Adam Klug, back in the studio, running the board, doing a nice job. And uh, we continue to talk Padres baseball, joined by Bob Scanlon a little bit earlier talk plenty about the outfield and the rotation and all of it and uh, certainly a lot to chew on right now at Padre Spring Training. I may hear from Tony and or Chris coming up here in a little while. May also play you uh, one of my more extended interviews from Spring Training. Again, little last-minute fill-in here. We're sort of just uh, making it up a little bit as we go along, but certainly talking plenty of baseball and uh, everything going on with the Padres and beyond. Uh, It continues to be just a really, really weird free agent market. This has been so odd, and it isn't just guys like Snell and Montgomery and Matt Chapman still not signed. How about this? News earlier today, C.J. Crone, named Padres fans know well, been on the Rockies a long time, well, a few years at least, signed a minor league deal with the Boston Red Sox. A minor league deal. Now, C.J. Crone last year between the Angels and the Rockies, I'm not saying the numbers were off the charts, 729 OPS, 12 homers, 37 RBIs, hit 248. The OBP was 295. But look at him in 21 and 22 in Colorado. And yes, it's Colorado. But 905 OPS in 2021, 28 home runs, 92 runs knocked in. OPS was way down in 2022. He was an all-star, 783 OPS, 29 home runs, 102 RBIs. I'm not sitting here telling you that C.J. Crone is a tremendous offensive player. Not telling you he's going to win your World Series. He's going to be the ultimate difference maker. But he's a major league player, is he not? He's a major league power hitter at the age of 34 years old. And to me, it is shocking. It's shocking that he had to sign a minor league deal. Garrett Cooper Padre, last season, late at after the trade deadline, had to sign a minor league deal. I, I'm, I still, I'm very surprised by some of this stuff. I am, I am. I mean, normally you'll see veterans like this who are or who are fairly solid. I'm, again, I'm not saying they're 
tremendous players, but you can see him get a one-year deal for something. I mean, Jerks and Profar got a one-year deal, $1 million from the Padres. I'm just, I continue to be really surprised by all this. And it's not just the top of the market. It's not just Snell. It's not just Montgomery. It's not just Chapman. It is sort of the inability of some some middle-tier, lower-tier guys, but, but bona fide major league hitters to even get major league deals. To me, the C.J. Crone deal, it's surprising. It is. And I mentioned it earlier. Look, beyond just the, the surprising nature of, of it all this year, it's just not fun the way this is all gone. The drip, drip, drip nature, like a leaky faucet, drip, drip, drip. One signing, we had the flurry of stuff with Otani, then the flurry of stuff with Yamamoto, one guy at a time, some bursts here and there. But for it to be March 1st and these guys aren't signed, I, I you just can't convince me this is good for the game of baseball. You can't. It's not. I mean, it's March 1st. We're playing Cactus League games already. So I know, you know, MLB players, they'll probably never agree to it. But there is an argument, and the argument's been made, that, that there has to be potentially some sort of change to the way this is done because – it's just not good right now. I, I, the, the fact that you have these guys sitting here on March 1st still not with the team. And now we talked about it earlier, potentially affecting what they can even do on the short-term deals if they go that way. It's rough. It's been a really weird offseason. It's been, I would say, a rough offseason for, for MLB free agents with how this has gone. Guys that you wouldn't think having to take minor league deals and then the top of the market, aside from Otani and Yamamoto, just it has been unbelievably slow moving. Now, do the Padres get in on one of these guys still out there? Is that Tommy Pham? Is that Michael A. Taylor? Maybe. I don't think it's Blake Snell. I don't see how the numbers work to stand to the CBT unless you do some crazy deferral thing, and I don't know that that's happening. Going to be interesting to see where those guys end up, and it's getting late. It's beyond late. It's March 1st. Speaking of Blake Snell, John Heyman had this to say on Bleacher Report a little bit earlier. Here's what John Heyman had to say about Blake Snell. There was some news today uh, a couple days ago with Blake Snell. As I reported in the New York Post, uh, Snell is willing to do one of those Bellinger-type deals, short-term deal with opt-outs. They did talk to the Yankees about this, so I'm sure they're willing to do it with other teams as well. And, you know, I think it does make sense for them, a high AV uh, with opt-outs. The issue for the Yankees with a short-term deal is the high AV means a higher tax. That's really the big issue. But uh, certainly if you give them opt-outs after year one and opt-out after year one and you've given up draft choices uh, to sign him, that isn't a question as well. So that was John Heyman on Blake Snell. And look, we'll see if he ultimately ends up signing one of those shorter-term deals. It's possible. It really is the later this gets. By the way, you didn't see uh, in the video, if you're not watching on YouTube, John Heyman, we're in the Northwestern pullover as well. So uh, fellow Northwestern alum, John Heyman. All right, before we uh, go to break, let's squeeze in a phone with some Padres thoughts. Let's go to Eric driving in the car. Eric, what's going on? Hey, how are we doing, Sam? Doing well, Eric. 
Good. Hey, so here's kind of like where where I've kind of been at. So free agency, weird this year. Snell not signed, Montgomery. But all these guys want long-term deals, a lot of teams struggling with, you know, salary cap, and are they coming on second, are they coming on third year, right? Dodgers doing it. Padres are concerned with it. Uh, Braves are concerned with it, right? Multiple teams. <clears throat> Could any of this be due to the 2025 class i mean you've got guys like wheeler and cole goldschmidt is out there i know it's you know that's first base but um you know uh guys like kepler out there if he doesn't get traded there's a lot of names out there and it's an absolutely loaded 2025 free agency i'm like is and i think the padres are going to be at 150 151 million so it leaves them 100 uh what night uh 86 something like that, yeah. $86 million to play with next year. Do you think that maybe, like, if they can get by with the likes of Merrill, maybe playing center field left, Jerkson Profar, you got the one-year deal, you've got guys like Marcy, Merrill, um, that could do something for you this year. Maybe you get back to the playoffs, don't get all the way there, but you've got control, you've got guys that maybe you could get on smaller contracts, less money, they play well, maybe lock them up. And then you could go out and sign a blockbuster next year or a couple of really good deals longer term, do what the Dodgers did, deferred money, all that kind of stuff because TV yeah. deal, all that's uncertain. Uh, but I'm thinking like from a grand scheme, is that a big reason why maybe some of these guys aren't signed? Because if they get through this year, any team, they've got lots of options next year. Yeah. Eric, appreciate the phone call. Look, I do think you're onto something. I think it's part of the equation. Yeah, it's part of the equation. Next year's class, to your point's really strong. Here are some of the names next year, unless they sign extensions before next offseason. Juan Soto is going to be a free agent. Alex Bregman, Corbin Burns, Zach Wheeler, Hassan Kim, Pete Alonzo, Paul Goldschmidt, Max Freed, <laughs> potentially Justin Verlander, potentially Max Scherzer. They're on the, the older uh, end of the spectrum. Willie Adamas. Walker Bueller, Glaber Torres, Shane Bieber, Anthony Santander, Christian Walker, pretty good player. List goes on. It's a good free agent class, really, really good at the top end. Some really elite names, um, better than this year's overall. Even despite Otani Yamamoto being available this year, Bellinger. I think it's part of it, Eric. I think it's a mix of a lot. I think it's part next year's free agent class. I think it's part the uncertainty around TV revenue. I think that's a big part of it. I think it's part that you have a few teams that in the last few years have spent a lot not spending all that much. The Padres obviously included. The Mets, the Rangers, or a couple other teams you could mix in there. Teams, there are a handful of teams that are just not spending right now like they have in the past. And I think that's contributed it, to it as well. Um, look, in the Padres case, it's going to be fascinating, especially if they roll with the young guys from the outset here, or at least at some point this season. Because let's take Jackson Merrill, for example, assuming that he is going to be out there, left, center, somewhere. At this moment, it certainly looks like he's going to get an opportunity in all likelihood to play, and he'd have to play almost every day. 
you know, are you signing a big time guy to play one of those outfield spots that's manned by Jackson Merrill? No, no, not if you believe that he's your future. You're not. So it'll be fascinating to see what the Padres do next offseason when they, in all likelihood, reset the CBT number, when maybe the TV revenue situation is more clear. We'll see. When they haven't spent nearly as much this offseason as compared to the last couple, it's hard to tell. One thing is clear. Number one, they have a lot of money on the books in Machado and Bogarts and Cronenworth and Tatis and Musgrove and Darvish. But there is a clear movement to mix in the young guys now. It's clear whether that happens immediately at the start of the year or at some point this season. There is a clear movement to mix in those young guys and a push, a push to do it. How big that push is at the outset here, we're going to find out in the next couple of weeks. But there's a big push. Um but it's a good point on the free agent class. I think it's part of it. I think there's a lot of factors at play right now. And I think there's a lot of teams for a variety of reasons that are not spending like they have the last few years. I mean, heck, even the New York Yankees, they signed Marcus Stroman. They did trade for Soto. But aside from from signing Stroman, what's the big free agent splash they made? Not Not really. Not really. They don't really come. So there's a lot of examples you can point to. It's been a weird off season. I don't think it's been a great off season for baseball for free agency in that sense. I really don't. And we shall see what moves forward here in March and, and into next off season. Because you're right, Eric, the class is really good. All right, when we come back, I understand that Tony Quinn Jr. may may be joining us when we come back. So look forward to that. We'll continue on. We've got uh, an hour plus to go here on this Friday afternoon. Sam Levitt with you from Peoria, Arizona. More Gwen and Chris on the way. 441. Gwen and Chris, 97.3 The Fan. Sam Levitt with you from Peoria, Arizona. We'll have the Big Five coming up in just a moment. Also, a special guest. Well, not really a special guest. His name is on the program. Tony Gwynn Jr. will join us in a moment as well. But first, let's check traffic. It's that time of the show when we check on the latest in sports. Only the most important topics and questions are brought to light. Stop what you're doing and listen. These news stories will astound and amaze you. The one, the only... Oh, my God, who the hell cares? The Big Five starts now on 97.3 The Fan. Tony, welcome into the show. How are you? Hello, hello, hello. I am well. How about yourself? We're all doing very well. Sam, how you holding up here, buddy? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I'm outstanding. We've had a very nice program so far, I think. Uh, We are going to... We are going to give it to Scraby, though. I, I thought, and Adam, I don't know about you, I thought some some not great uh, Sammy versus the fans questions. So no, no surprise there. Some of them were bad in general, and then others were like, there's no wait, way this is a, wait, a round Tony, one question. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll hold off because we got to get to the big five. But, Tony, I'm going to – the next segment, I'm going to tell you what one of them was, and you're going to go okay. like – Unbelievable, yes. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing uh, how Scraby messed this one up. All right, guys, let's get it. <laughs> Number five. 
AJ Casabell wrote yesterday that he thinks Jake Cronenworth should hit third in the Padres lineup. From his MLB.com article, quote, Cronenworth's presence at number three breaks up the righties, gives the Padres more favorable matchups, and it puts their biggest bats in the most leveraged lineup spots, end quote. AJ's top five goes like this. Tatis, Bogarts, Cronenworth, Machado Kim. Tony, let's start with you. Where do you think Jake Cronenworth should hit in the lineup? Second. Ooh, I think spicy. I don't think that's that spicy. You got Toddy hitting first. You can uh, slide Crone there. He's breaking up the right. He's there as well. Um, I mean, he's only going to be able to break up one spot. Um, right. I like Toddy there at the leadoff spot. If that's where you're going to hit him. And then you can go Cronenworth, Bogarts, M- Manny, Kim. Am I forgetting somebody? No, yeah. No. That's about right. Camposano. Yeah, I, I mean, that's where I think it should be right now. Sammy, that's what at least about you? Um, I'll go with Tony second. I, uh, to Tony's point, you can only break it up once with the way the lineup is right now with, with your options. So, yeah, I'm fine with second. Um, I understand what AJ's saying, but sure, I'll go with Tony. I'm going to go with... Uh, the great Tony Gwynn Jr. Second. <laughs> you, you can, well, you can know. The, the thing is, is, is I mean, it, to me, like, you're kind of just splitting hairs. I mean, right. you, you can only break up that top five and even six if Camposano is batting sixth right. once right now with the way it's constructed and the names you got. So second, sure. Number four. Every player at the scouting combine every year has a media obligation. The NFL doesn't ask much of them in the way of interviews. Players are on the podium for 15 minutes or less, and some then go through the car wash with shorter interviews with the teams. Ohio State receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. made history on Friday. He became one of the first players, if not the first, to skip his media availability in the modern era of the combine. An NFL spokesperson announced shortly before Harrison's 8.20 a.m. Eastern Time scheduled time that he would not be available for his scheduled appearance. Chris Carter, former NFL receiver, said that Harrison was getting a body scan and tied up with the medical people, but he never came out to do it afterwards. Sam, would this impact your opinion of drafting Marvin Harrison Jr.? Huh. Um, it would not impact my opinion of drafting him because he's... He's supposed to be a generational wide receiver talent. So is it going to mean I don't draft him? No, I think that's silly. Um, I'd like to see him do the media if everybody else is doing it. You know, I I just would personally because I think it's important for our jobs. (laughs) And, And look, if everybody's doing it, I think you should do it. But would it convince me or impact my decision to draft him? No, absolutely not. But I... I'd love to see him do it. That'd be nice. Tony, what about you? Uh, I mean, I, I really, Sam took the, the exact answer right out of my mouth. I think it's kind of silly uh, if you decide not to try to draft him because he didn't show up to media day. Can I blame Scraby again? Scraby wrote these? Uh, sure, sure. Have at it. Blame uh, Scraby. <laughs> uh, nonetheless, uh, I, I would like to see him out there, you know, doing what everybody else is doing but if he was you know getting a body scan because a a team somebody asked him to get a body scan then 
that's that's what it was. Number three. Dan Patrick had Joey Votto on his show today, and Votto said he's been offered media jobs, but his focus is solely on finding a job as a player. Here's a little back and forth between Dan Patrick and one Joey Votto. Oh, so you might be an analyst. Your days playing are over? Oh, no. No, no, no. I'm here to... Let's get me a baseball job. Oh. Let's play some baseball. Okay. No, no, not an analyst job. No. Okay. So far. <laughs> <laughs> so gentlemen. Let's get me a baseball job. All right. We'll start with Tony. Can Joey Votto still help a team? Yes. I think he can. Um, had a healthy offseason. I think that means a, a lot. Um, I, I do. I do. I, I think if somebody gets them a chance, I think they're going to be, you know, getting somebody who can help, who can help them. He may not be able to do it defensively. He could be a good DH. Um, I think he still. I think he can still do it. Maybe I'm biased. What no. side of the plate does he hit from? What were we just Left. talking about? Left-handed. Sammy, what do you think? How much too. does Joey Votto have um, left in the tank? Something. I mean, look, Tony made a good point. Remember, he was coming off surgery when he returned to the Reds last year. So he's coming off a healthy offseason. Um, yeah, he can help a team for sure. Now, I think what's interesting is, you know, is, is he going to go to a place where they're not really a contender at all, where he'd hypothetically take it bats away from somebody? I, I don't know. I'd love to see him go somewhere. I'd love to, for Joey Votto, I'd love to see him go somewhere where they have a, a chance to win and he can be somebody who plays a little bit, be a good influence in the clubhouse. Uh, yes, I still think he can help a team for sure. Um, and watching the video, and I understand people are just listening on the radio, he looks like somebody with that big bushy beard now. It's bushier than I think it's ever been. I cannot put my finger on who he looks like now but uh, it's quite a look for joey botto but yes he can he can still help a team he can still help a team i think yes yeah i i can't i it's hard for me to think that he can't help somebody Number two. One, one more point on it uh i mean <laughs> san diego padres could use somebody who could play some first base and hit left-handed i'm just saying D8. That, that's what that's that's what kiss with adam i think was alluded <laughs> yeah, to earlier left-handed hitter <laughs> <laughs> Break up that take, lineup, hey, right? I'll tell you what. I would love Joey Votto here. Wouldn't that be great, Tony, to have Joey Votto I, here inside that clubhouse? I, That'd be great for I us. Think he, I, I do. I think he'd be great. Number two. Great. Reigning NL MVP Ronald Acuna Jr. was scratched from today's lineup for the Braves with what was called right knee soreness. Braves manager Brian Snitker said he didn't think this was a big deal and that Acuna would have probably played if this were a regular season game. But remember, guys, Acuna did tear the ACL in the same knee as this one back in 2021. What do you guys think? On a scale from 1 to 10, Sammy, how concerned do you think this is for the Braves and Ronald Acuna Jr.? Uh, I'll probably defer to Tony on this because a that's Tony not how this works, had, Sam. Well, I understand, but <laughs> but to, Tony understands the the ebbs and flows of spring training and the body better. Um, I'm not concerned. The guy, did you see what he did last year? I mean, look, I don't know if there this is a, a 
a lingering effect of having ACL surgery. I have no idea, but after what he did last year, I have really no concerns. Uh, So unless they're telling me he's re-injured his ACL, uh, which they haven't said, I don't think it's a big deal. My concern level is like, on a scale of 1 to 10, is like literally a a 1.5. 1.5, Tony. Scale of 1 to 10. How concerning is this for Acuna? No, 1. I mean, this is uh, the fact that he got through a whole season last year and nothing was wrong with his knee. I don't I don't think the ACL decides to like wait one year before it's going to start aching you. It just doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, We'll see. I think this is just probably I mean, he'll probably forever have something that, you know, doesn't feel like it did before the ACL probably have something there forever. And, you know. Trying to get the body back into, he's not even like getting into everyday stuff. He's trying to build up to that. So, I don't know. I say it's a one for now. One. News came out yesterday that Iowa's Caitlin Clark would forego her final season of eligibility with the Hawkeyes and enter the WNBA draft where she's expected to be the number one overall pick. Speaking earlier today about her decision, Clark said that she had gone back and forth on her decision especially earlier in the season, but her choice became more and more clear as the year played out. Some people have surmised that Clark could actually make more money through NIL if she returned to college compared to what her WNBA salary would be. Tony, do you think Clark made the right decision to turn pro? Yeah, contrary to to what some may believe, there are still some athletes that want to test themselves at the the highest level possible. Uh, She's going to get paid Regardless, honestly, whether she's in NIL or whether she's going to the WNBA, she's going to be immediately one of the top players, I would say, in that league. So, yeah, I I think this is a good move for her. I think she's going to be challenged at a different in a different way in the WNBA. Um, And I think we'll all be tuning in to watch because of that. Right. And so. I mean, shoot, it, it looks like she might be um, paired up with, with Boston, uh, the young lady out of South Carolina last year. Yeah. There was no, number one pick, as it, as it stands right now. So who, who – who, I think that'll be must – a lot of people will be tuned in to watch it. Hmm. Sammy, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree with Tony. Um, I, you know, I think her star is already so big. I don't think she could have gone wrong, and I think – if we're talking about the money part of it, she's at a point with her level of stardom and fame. She's going to be able to make a ton of money off of what she's doing, yeah. whether it's playing another year in sure. Iowa or in the WNBA. I, I She's going to make plenty of money. Um, she's a huge star. You know what? I do. I credit Caitlin Clark. I think the easier decision would have been to go back to Iowa for one more year because she knows what she's got there. It's comfortable. She can obviously make a ton through NIL. But it's I, I like her kind of taking on the challenge, right, of of going to the WNBA now. For sure. And for sure. Uh, trying something new. I do. So I, she's such a star at this point. I think she's going to be absolutely fine. Good for her. All right. Gwen and Chris, fourth and final hour <laughs> is coming up when we come back. More after this on 97.3 The Fan. What's up, San Diego? Welcome back in 
to Gwen and Chris, Tony Gwynn Jr. Sam Levitt has been holding it down since um, he was a one-man show as Chris, as Chris is stuck in traffic somewhere. Uh, Scraby is not feeling great. And uh, I was working myself through traffic here in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, nonetheless, uh, Sam, I appreciate you um, picking us up like that, man. Of course, my friend. Enjoyed it. Had a good time. And uh, we, we had some fun, I will say. Uh, covered some good topics. We talked to Bob Scanlon about the game in Maryvale today, the young pitchers, uh, Jairo Ariarte, Drew Thorpe. Uh, I'll say Wait, one before of the highlights. Be, yes. Oh, before yes, we get ahead. into that, before we get into yes. that, you had promised to give me a, a scraby question. Oh, yes. Um, uh, well, give me, give, give that whole situation to me. Here, okay, please. so we did, we did not Chris versus the fans, but Sammy versus the fans <laughs> at uh, four p.m. We had a, we had a good contest. We got through a uh, number of contestants, and we did have a winner, so that was good. Uh, one of, well, I, I'll say this: out of the times I have been on the Gwyn and Chris program, this was one of the overall weakest group of questions. I've seen, but the weakest of the week, the weakest of the week (laughs) was the question was, what does a team get if they win the Cactus League? That was the question. (laughs) What does a team receive if they win the Cactus League? And you guessed it. It was basically a trick question because the answer was nothing. Yes. Which in and of itself, is not really a, a question because there is nothing. And it, it made me think so hard, Tony, because I was like in my head, I'm like, I'm like, is there, is there, I said, there's no possible way that I've now done a, a full spring training and a half. And I didn't know that you got something for, for having the best cactus league record. I, in my head, I literally thought, do they get a cactus? Because I was like, because in my head, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like there's no, there's no way that Scraby asked this. And it's actually like a, a silly trick question, but it was the answer was nothing. That was one of the questions today. Did, did, did what you, is did, he doing? <laughs> there's, there's a chance. There's a chance. Scraby is diabolical enough that he could have set that up there for you to get. Because what I do know is, as we've talked about on many occasions, I told the story of, you know, that is like a run. That was, it might still be, so I might be letting the cat out the bag. But it's kind of a running joke, right, for the younger guys who come up to to the big league camp for the first time. They're, they'll 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 tell a young guy, you know, we can be Cactus League champions, you know, win a, a you get like a flat screen TV, have these guys thinking they're going to get one after winning the Cactus League, only to find out that there's no such thing as a Cactus League champion. So right. he he might have tried to set you up, but who knows what's grave? That 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 is that's one of those questions though for sure. Yeah, that was not good. Overall, they weren't uh, very good. I will say there were there was a lot of conference realignment, and I was almost embarrassed at how how little I've kept track of these different schools. But you know, yeah, to be honest with you, it's it's tough. It's tough because if you really haven't been on top of it, which honestly I I really haven't. Um, it's it's tough to remember and know which school's going where. Like Cal's going to the ACC, then you've got Oregon and Washington going to the Big sure. It's 
it's uh yeah it's tough but um yeah so that was the deal with uh with the sammy versus the fans so we had a good time but i was i was floored by the cactus league <laughs> question speaking of speaking of cactus league champions uh not a good step in the right direction today for the san diego padres who didn't just go 0 and 1 they went 0 and 2 so uh the cactus league champion dreams uh continue to dim on the did they, did they end up losing the game in milwaukee oh no they did they that's did. right they did i did yeah, see they that did. they did uh, they had a lot of a lot of good stuff from it but uh yeah they did yeah i mean uh the game in 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 um the game in, at the Peoria Sports Complex, I mean, it was, wasn't was really the best game either. It was an ugly game. You know, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of walks, a lot of um, a lot of errors. I think there was, what, five total in the game. There was at least 14 walks, I think, something along those lines. So um wasn't the best, but there were some bright spots. Uh, I thought Vasquez threw the ball well. Again, it's yeah. three innings of work. Um, I thought Wandy was... You know, looked like a guy who's throwing, have, making his first outing, hadn't, you know, still kind of getting his feet under him a little bit. Um, you know, you know, so, you know, I, I think from that standpoint, the pitching, I thought, was impressive today, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Cosgrove got, got touched up a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it was good. Cosgrove was oh, yesterday, I, I think, yeah. No, uh, no, he was today. Was he today? Yeah, he was today. Yeah, he was today, an inning, two runs, two hits. Uh, strikeout. Yeah, he was today. Yeah, um, it was today. Yeah. So you're saying Vasquez looked pretty good today? I thought he looked. I thought he looked. I, I, I thought he looked pretty good. Um, good. You know, he gave up the the one the one run. Um, I think in the second he gave up the solo shot to Calhoun, but he navigated two walks in the first. Uh, it was good to see. Not necessarily the way you want to do it. By the time he got to the third, I thought he was at his best. Right. He, he got better every right. inning. Um, punched out what two and two in that last inning. Uh, one, two, three. Um, that's the kind of thing you want to you want to see from a dude who was uh, competing for a job. Yeah, for sure. Um, looking at the box score here, and I saw some highlights online. The Castro in his uh, Cactus League debut. Tim LaCastro had a nice day too. Yeah, he did. Uh, I saw the highlight on Twitter. He he uh, raced home. On a ground ball to the left side and scored. That was the Castro, right? I saw it briefly. Yeah, no, he raced from second and scored. Second, sorry, scored. from second got from, to third. Yeah, yeah. He, from second never never broke stride. Right, and got Toddy in the RBI. Yeah, got got Toddy, and ironically, it was it was Fernando who was hitting, bottom huh. an RBI there on a reg, on a ground out to short from scored from second base. It was pretty impressive. I mean, but yeah. that's 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 what that's what uh, that's what Tim is known for. He he's always mm-hmm. remember. I think he started out his career um, with a stolen base. I think he was like twenty something for his yeah for his first twenty without get twenty four for twenty four without being caught. So, dude is uh, Duke Duke definitely can run. Um, I thought Eggie was good. Uh, I thought Jerickson swung the bat well uh, today. You know, for her first good. first game. Um, Hassan continues to look relaxed and uh, you know swinging it bad well. I thought there there are a lot of good things to to like in terms of the offense. Now they didn't um, necessarily swing the bats with runners in scoring position well, but you know you got a bunch of people coming in and out of the lineup. That's that's going to happen sometimes. Right, right. Um, let me let me ask you a couple of questions here about 
the lineup because we brought it up in the Big Five. AJ Casville writing that he thinks, uh, at least as currently constructed, that Jake Cronenworth should bat third in this lineup. Let, let, let's talk about that a little bit. A um, couple of things on, on the lineup, and and I think I should, uh, I should you know kind of uh, say this before we get into it. It's March first, right? right? So, <laughs> one thousand. I don't know how. I don't. I'm glad know how you much started the can, conversation like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. I don't know how much we can read into it, and I think Mike Schilt would certainly agree with that. And um, you know, if there's an addition made here, which is certainly possible, that that certainly changes a lot of things. Uh, but let's start with this: Fernando Tatis Jr. leadoff spot. I mean, Hasung was great there last year, but it sounds like to me, really, regardless of, of what the rest of the lineup looks like, you would be. Um, in the camp of Fernando being the leadoff man on this particular team. Yes. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Um, I, I, You know, Fernando's so talented, he can, you can really hit him anywhere. And so I always have that in the back of my mind. I don't know that everybody in the lineup can do that, right? I think Hassan right. can hit at the top, you know, or he's hitting somewhere in the middle, right? Um Xander, you know, you're not. There's only so many spots you're gonna move him, but Fernando, you literally can pretty much hit him anywhere in the lineup, and and, and he can be whatever that piece of part of the lineup he needs to be. Um, so yeah, put, I I like him in the leadoff spot. Um, they're just you know you just you, you you're going in understanding that they're really really right-handed, you know, yeah. and so how. how how do you is it even is it is it that big of a deal to be able to break up you know the righties and i think you can make the argument that yeah there's going to be one it's either either between the first and second or it's between uh 2 and 4 right so or excuse me it's either between 1 and 3 or um or 3 and or or 2 and 4 right he's either batting right. second or he's batting third i i think it at the top you set you're trying to set the table for those dudes there. Do is is Jake gonna be your guy that's driving in the runs? Is that the idea there? I, I you know right. I think I mean I think ideally he's he's more of a table setter. Exactly. Right? I think so. Yeah. I think I think yeah. um I think that takes some pressure off of him too. Put him in a three hole remember he's coming off of a, of his his worst season. You know, putting yeah. him in the three hole is you know, that's that's putting Putting the pressure right back on him. Why not right. put him in a two spot where he can kind of he can, can can do a little bit of everything? Yeah, I mean, at least know, that's my thinking. Not, right, and, and it's not. I mean, we're not like breaking any news here, but <laughs> it sounds so simple. But if if the top of this lineup with all the uncertainty below it, and and at this point, yeah, it's about the names, but also look. As far as production, let's say it, it is young guys down there on most days. Like we don't we don't quite know what you're getting yet. So no. the the top of the lineup, though, Tony, it sounds so simple. But if they do what they're supposed to do, that will be, you know, for all the discussion about everything else, this this spring training and the competition for spots, that would go such a long way. Yeah, you know, if those sure. guys can carry the whole thing, right? Like if they can carry this lineup, they they basically carry your team. Um, 
you know, having Cronenworth bounce back, having Fernando, you know, be the Fernando of of, of 2021, uh, let's say, having Xander step forward again in his second year here, having a healthy Manny, you know, a step forward for Camposano, Kim, he just does what he does last year at bare minimum. That's incredible. Yeah, man, that would that would go such a uh, long yeah, way if, in, if, in, in just shoring up, shoring up so many of the other questions. If one through six do what they do or what they have done, um, you're gonna have a lot of production there. Just in yeah. just just in that pocket there, seven, eight, nine. From that point on, I mean, you, you are. I think it's like more likely than not, especially if the Padres don't make a move. That it's going to be young guys there, yeah. and so um, again, this is part of what you have to do in order to sustain success as an organization. You're going right. to need some young dudes to come up and and be some dudes, right? And you know, Jackson yeah. looks like he, he's, and I'm not even talking about what he's done in terms of the numbers. I'm just talking about how he looks up here when you're watching him play. Right. Right, right. You know, so he he might he could be one of those dudes. Azokar is having a good, a good, good spring yeah. right now. Yeah, you know, I, and I know that no one's really talking about him at this point, but you know, they want to see him hone that zone, hone that strike zone. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's doing a pretty good job of it so far. Yeah, no, I'm I'm look, I'm a huge fan of him. Um, you know, the player and the guy. I think he yeah. works hard. I think he's well liked. Works his um, tail off. Yeah, yeah, he works his tail off. I agree. So uh, good for him. I, look, I, I think more likely than not, Azokar is going to be on this club. I mean, I mean look, and, and this do, is do thing, you agree with that? I, I do. I think more likely than yeah. not. I mean, and, and you know, you got to remember, there's a there there was a time, and this is how camps go. There was there was what, maybe three days ago, four days ago, it was a little bit crowded, right? Then, yeah. you know, Mercado kind of has a, a little bit of a, uh, an issue. We haven't seen him the last couple of days, right? Yeah. And, and so um, this is what happens in the cap. This is how maybe you, you start to get a leg up. You know, somebody has to miss time because, you know, not feeling well, you know, or, right, or right. they're struggling or whatever it is. You got to be able to seize that opportunity. And I think right. um, you're looking at Merrill, you're looking at Zokar. They're both they're they're both doing it. I mean, even right. the, even like a guy like Graham Polly, he's swinging the bat well. Yeah. Like, ideally, you want it to be a tough decision come into the camp. And when you're just talking about the individual battles, it seems like there's a lot of dudes playing well. Yeah, yeah, there are. And what, what's also interesting when you talk about the the righty lefty in the lineup, Brady Sullivan is another guys, one. Yes. Oh, you don't have to convince me on Brett Sullivan. Yeah. I, I'm I am in the Brett Sullivan fan club. I think yeah. if he can play in some other spots, you know, carrying a third catcher in He's Brett, left-handed too. Well, quote on yeah, and quote on quote a third catcher because he would have to right. have the ability to play around some different spots. Uh, look. He's a professional player who's been around a long time. You know he can hit a little bit. You know he can, you know, hit for a little power. He can pop one out of the park at times. Um, and I think he's a great clubhouse guy. Like, I, I've i said this about Brett Sullivan, Tony. I don't know that in my two seasons of covering this team that I have seen a player walk inside that clubhouse and be more popular and have guys gravitate towards him 
than Brett Sullivan, and I'm being completely serious. Um, I believe it. I know. I know that's not like that doesn't have a whole lot to do with on the field stuff, but it's worth something. I mean, it's worth yeah. a little bit. Um, I mean, just an observation. I, I, to me, guys gravitate towards him. Would not be a bad guy to have around if he can play in some different spots. If he if he's capable of doing that, then and as a left-handed bat, you're right. He has that advantage. The 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 weird thing, Tony, about it is that when we talk about left-handed bats, they've got lefties around, but it's everybody that's in the mix, right? It's nobody that's guaranteed. Whether it's Merrill. Right. Whether well, Profar be on the team, but but Profar, uh, Merrill, uh, Paulie, Marcy, Cal Mitchell, yeah. so they're lefties, but it's just Marcy. It's, it's, a, 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 yeah, I it's mean, that, that whole just, mix of guys, right? And, and you're right. There, you're right. There is a bunch. That's that's where the left. All yeah, of the lefties yeah, are in that. The, yeah, and and you know, Mitchell had a, had a triple today. I mean, everybody is doing something to you know to keep their name in the hat. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Time is running, though. You know, we're, yeah. we're less than two weeks away before uh, heading to, to Korea where, you know, final decisions have to be made. So you're going to see that start to happen. And, you know, the, the tough part is usually in a regular spring training, you would start to get, like, some full games out of, out of some of right, these competitions. Right. I don't know that you're going to be able to get that. It, right. In the next, it's too quick to I think for full games right at this point. But and and the dudes who are going to be playing full games are probably the dudes who going to be heading out here right. so, surely. Right. So right, right. It's uh, it'll be interesting. See how this all goes down. Uh, yeah. We are well past uh, break Oops. time here. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, we got a little too deep into that conversation. Let's get to break. Uh, when we come back, we got more Padre talk. Sam, myself. Adam Klug, be with you for uh, another one. More going to Chris on the way. Here's some traffic. Five twenty-five on this Friday afternoon into early evening. Ninety-seven-three, the fan. Sam Levitt, Tony Gwynn Jr. with you on a Friday edition of Gwynn and Chris. We are both in. Arizona in the Phoenix area. I'm by the football stadium here down uh, in Glendale. I'm not sure exactly where Tony is. I don't want to disclose such a <laughs> celebrity's location. But uh, I'm in Arizona. Are, oh, you're in Arizona. I, I think though we we I do know this. We are we are pretty far away. I think right yes. now during rush hour on a Friday, it would probably take us about an hour at to least get to uh, to get to one another. At least it yes. took me it took me about an hour. And some change to get uh, to get oh home from the from the game. So, yes, um, I got some some news to report here. So, Padres fans, uh, close your ears. Um, Juan Soto has hit another home run. Uh, <laughs> it is spring training. I do want to mention, but he did hit another home run for the Yankees in the Grapefruit League. Uh, not James Wood. He did not hit another. Uh, C.J. Abrams had a couple of hits today. So that was my good for C.J. Yeah, good for CJ. I agree with you, but that was my little update. Yeah, I, you know what, Tony? It's a good question. I, you know, I, I think, and I've seen it on Twitter, and Twitter is not the end-all, be-all of communication no, it's not. and fandom. Um, but I will say, you know, I do see a lot of, oh, Juan Soto did this. Oh, CJ Abrams did this. Oh, James Wood did this. I, I think it would be best for Padres fans. Don't Don't worry about it. 
and especially in spring yeah, training. Yeah, yeah, I mean, first, yes, stop, stop torturing yourself. Ultimately, <laughs> like for real, like come to grips that those guys could all Juan Soto could be an MVP at the end of this year. Absolutely, uh, James Wood could turn into a, the stud that everybody thought he was going to be. Uh, C.J. Abrams could continue to his development and to be a, you know, a, a really good big leaguer, uh, an all-star possibly. Uh, that's a reality. It doesn't change anything that's happening with the Padres as we speak. Those things had to happen, you know, without that deal, Padres don't get to a, an NLCS. We don't get to experience none of that, right? Yeah, we could still have those players if we didn't make the move, but would they have developed to this point like like they have there? Because, right. you know, the Padres were competitive. They weren't going to get to play at the big league level. Right. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I it's, think, don't, don't yeah. torture uh-huh. yourself, uh, folks. Uh-huh. I, I think a couple things. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Um Yeah. I think of course. Y- you can only judge – you can only judge this entire span of a few years because now it's it's multifaceted between the original trade for Soto, the trade that sent him to New York, and you can only judge it over the course of time, right? Because right, I'm just right. living in total, total hypothetical world. If the Padres return for Soto, if those guys, this group of pitchers, ends up being super, super impactful – and this team is better in the long run for it, you're going to look at the entire span of a couple of years way, way differently. So you can only judge it over the course of time. And I also think this, when we talk about, and again, like I don't even want to, I I, I regret bringing it up because now we're doing what exactly we said we shouldn't do, but um, (laughs) which is talk about it. But I'll say this. The other thing is is it's very easy to look back on things and forget what it was in the moment. Right. And there was not a right. single person, a single person I remember, whether it was us, whether it was fans, that in the summer of 22 thought that was the wrong move to Without trade for Juan Soto, right? With everybody, and I mean everybody, thought it was the right move. And I think it, it was the right move. Yeah, was. Of course it was. Um, yeah, I mean, look, could you have predicted a season plus later that he'd be in New York? You couldn't have predicted that, um, you know. But I, I mean, you, you things change, kind of, circumstances change. So you, no, I see. What I do remember is, yeah, when they made this deal, everybody talked about the fact that, well, the Padres could flip him at some point, right? They could decide, or they could just yeah. take it all the way down, run the clock out. And see where the Padres landed. Um, circumstances changed a little bit, right? And so, you know, even if that was the case, there was always the possibility that he was going to get moved before because everybody knew how much money he was going to get, even at that time. And even right. with the money that the Padres had spent, it was there was many folks thinking, well, they're not going to be able to do 500 or 400, 450, whatever the number is, because I think he turned down 450, if I'm not mistaken. 440, yeah. 440, yeah, something like ten, something ten along those lines. <laughs> so, I mean, whatever that number was, right, yeah. it, 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 we, there was always a possibility that he got moved. So, 
I think, uh, I think you know, we, we're getting a chance to, well, as you said, on, only time will tell, you know, how this deal turns yeah. out. But Brito certainly looks good. Vasquez certainly looks good. Michael King certainly looks good. Even, I mean, Thorpe dealt today. He had two, yeah. he had two more innings of, uh, with four punchies, I think it was. Four, yeah. yeah. So, I mean. Uh, we talked, we, yeah, we, we talked to Scan earlier, um, and, the, the first part of my conversation with Scan was about Ariarte and about uh, and about Thorpe and Scan. He he loves that changeup and it's getting swings and misses. I mean, I saw he struck out while the Adamas got him down to a knee. Like it's no surprise we we heard when the trade right. happened that that changeup was elite, elite, and it certainly looks like that so far. Now he spent one year in pro baseball, um, but look, I. I think Tony, when you have that type of pitch and you're, you know, you're having that kind of success, I'm, it's not out of the question. You could see him, you know. I'm not. I don't know if that's this year. I don't know if that's late this year. Yeah. I, I, if I were a betting man, I wouldn't say it's this year. But so far, so good. I guess is the point in, in what was one of the centerpieces I, um, of that trade. I've been really impressed with the the young guys. The quote unquote yeah. young guys, like the Marcy's, the Paulies, like yeah, uh, you know the you know you mentioned Thorpe. I mean, there's just there's a ton of them. They 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 yeah. look they've all looked they've all looked the part too. So yeah, I know we gotta get the break, sure. so you, you might want to take us there. Yeah, brother. yeah. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about that. The young guys. We'll finish up the show on that. I also want to talk to you about free agency um, and how that continues to evolve. And I think you'll have an interesting perspective on it as a former player. A couple of things that we touched on earlier in the show. Final segment of the week coming up here on Gwyn and Chris, Sam Levitt, Tony Gwynn Jr. in Arizona at Padres Spring Training. We finish up this Friday after this. 638 here at the desert. 538 back at home. And uh, I assume beautiful San Diego. I don't know. What it, what's the weather like out there, Adam? It was a gorgeous day today. Boom. That's, that's not a surprise. It's kind of how we do things back home. Um, Sam and I talking a little bit about the youngsters uh, for the Padres. Quite a few of them. Some of them homegrown. Some of them uh, signed via free agency. Um, we talked a little bit about Polly. talked a little bit about Thorpe. Um, I think... Um, you know, like a guy like, like Cal Mitchell, who was a, a rounder for the Pirates from San Diego. He's, he had a nice, he's had some, he's had some success here, uh, as of late. Um, you, you uh, there's all those pitchers. I mean, there hasn't been really any young pitchers that have thrown the ball that haven't had some success. So, yeah. Yeah. Including guys like, um, Estrada, Sandridge. I talked to Sandridge today. Really, really interesting <laughs> yeah, story. And good yeah, stuff, man. too. Really interesting story, too. Um, he he told uh, he told us today uh, about something I, I did not know existed, that you could, oh, I guess under is, certain circumstances, is, yeah, you could um, go back to play college baseball so in, he, in the he, NCAA after playing pro ball. Yeah, he was drafted out of high school. He got caught up in the the COVID, the COVID cuts. Yeah. COVID cuts. And so 
one of his mentors, I believe, was was the one that told him about the rule. He couldn't go play D one, but he can't. He could go play D two, D three, and B and, and, be, right. and beyond, right? And so uh, he goes back and he ends up uh, getting on the mound, and you know he was able to stay in shape while they worked on his eligibility to to actually play. Because you know there's a bunch of red tape when you're dealing with you know. The, right. uh, it, I don't know this the NCAA at that point, but with that, with, with that body. So eventually he was able to um, get out, pitch a, at a handful of games, I believe it was, put up some good numbers. He still uses a lot of the stuff he learned, um, f- you know, from from that school. He still uses yeah. a lot of that pregame stuff. He's he's an interesting story. He's left-handed. That's, you know, you could never have too many arms, too, at the bullpen. I think we've we've learned that over time, like, there's going to be some injuries. You're going to need to make sure you have enough reinforcements that can come in and and, and be able to hold it down. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one interesting note about about that too. When he went to to the school in Florida, Division Two, Lynn, his fastball velocity went up. And then I, he got signed by the Reds that summer before he started summer ball. And then um, he tore his meniscus a little bit later that year. So he's been through a lot. He's been some, through yeah. some kind of weird stuff with the COVID cuts and getting drafted then back to college then signed then an injury so just somebody to keep uh i think um an eye on an ear out for you know as we know throughout the course of a season you need guys i mean look yeah, guys like estrada sure. guys like Sandridge, some other names that appear in these cactus league games look it's a crowded bullpen right now there's no doubt about it um in a good way it's a crowded bullpen but you, you just know that guys got to come up and, yeah. and contribute. Like, like I'm not making guarantees that guys like Estrada are, are going to come up or Sandridge. I mean, take your pick of, of kind of those guys on the outer bubble of the bullpen right now, but it just, it happens. Injuries happen. Like they, they just do. You can, you can guarantee that, that injuries happen. So here's what I can tell you is if you could throw strikes, you could command a baseball, yeah. you're going to have a chance to make a ball club. That's, yeah. that's, that's the thing that stands out the most when you're watching these spring training games is the, are the guys who can throw strikes versus the guys who cannot, who, right. who are constantly behind or walking guys. Like today, there was a lot of, a lot of walks on, from, from their side. Padres had, had a few of themselves. Um, that's the quickest way to get yourself um, taken off the list is by not being yeah. able to throw strikes. Speaking of young pitchers, one of the highlights of today, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, um, Luis Patino inside the clubhouse, and that's a an interesting story. Certainly somebody who was, I mean, aside from Mackenzie Gore, was the top pitching prospect at one time in the organization. I mean, I, I, honestly, I remember it in 2019 being in Amarillo. It's the double-A team of the Padres at the time. And Batino and Gore are tearing it up at high A at Lake Elsinore. And Gore came up first after he put up just insane numbers. And then at the very end of the year, Batino came up to double A. And I remember, number one, he had it was from the right side. Like, Gore was from the left side with the high leg kick. Batino was from the right side with a high leg kick. Um, and he was he had really, really impressive stuff. And he was just a good guy he was super young he was like 19 at the time he was super he was polished, smiley. Right? Yeah. yeah he was smiley he was a good guy so 
he's back uh, with the Padres. He's he's a little bit behind naturally. Um, you know, even though he yeah. says he's in a good place because it's been two and a half weeks since pitchers and catchers reported. Um, Twenty four years old. Look, the interesting thing to me about Patino. Um, is that he's still just 24, and now they have an opportunity with him a little bit older, with some more experience, something he talked about today, to get him under Ruben Diabla's tutelage. Um, again, like, just somebody to, to keep an eye on, keep an ear out for, because you just never know over the course of a season um, when somebody like that may arrive, and he's a, a unique case because it would be sort of a, a reunion in San Diego for him. Yeah, I, I like I like Patino a lot. I just yeah, don't guy. know his 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 uh, the timing on this is is not in his favor. Right, his team no. is leaving. As we said, it's less than two weeks before they head out to Korea. Yeah. How much you know? I don't. We don't. They don't even know at what point he's going to be like throwing the baseball yet. Right. So, right. Uh, how much will he get to really? His time will he get to really spend with Ruben while he's trying to get everybody yeah, else? Yeah. Situated, so you know, timing in terms of that isn't great, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, him getting back into the organization uh, under the, you know where he probably was having his most success before going to the big leagues and kind of being bounced around. It's not here's the thing that, that's I was I was told when I was a young player that the team that drafted you is, is going to be the team that invests the most, meaning right. they're going to be the one that is going to you know stick with you through thick and thin because you know they everybody else you know you're kind of just even if you are highly talented once you go to a new organization they're not viewing you in the same way that the other organization had you know when they when they initially right. taken you so right it's like you, right. it's like you get there's a little chip off chipped off of you every time you get moved it seems like yeah um yeah and just keep in mind he came up to the major leagues at 20 yeah he was a youngster so yeah, he's had obviously was really highly touted, but it's just been a little odd because he came up so young, had injuries, got traded, didn't have a lot of success. So only twenty four. We'll see. Um, one thing I did want to touch with you on Tony outside the Padres, and as we kind of wrap up the week here, and I talked about it earlier, a couple of segments. Um, this free agent market. Just it's so odd this year, and it's beyond just the the you know the guys like Snell and uh, Montgomery and Chapman and JD Martinez still being out there. And my goodness, it's March first. It's beyond that. I mean, I'm not saying CJ Crone is getting ten million dollars right now, but he signed a minor league deal today with the Red Sox. Somebody like Garrett Cooper signed a minor league deal. I, I continue to be surprised with with just top to bottom how this market continues to play out. And, and some of these guys who who are signing minor league deals, it, it I don't know. I just I I'm, I'm continually surprised by it. I, am I am I alone in that? It's confusing, isn't it? I mean, especially yeah. the way teams spent the last last year, the year before, right? Um, right. It, it, it just seems um, suspicious. You already, you, I mean, you heard Kike already in yeah. his his claim. So, I mean, this is what always has uh, players' antennas kind of coming up, right? When right. you start to see a market that, you know, I mean, when is it's hard to believe that a Cy Young Award winner, um, a two-time Cy Young Award winner, yeah, 
is still out there, you know, in free agency. You know, it's just. It's March 1st. It's it's March 1st. It's March 1st. So, I mean, we're we're a month away from, uh, even if you discount the the Padres-Dodgers series, which starts early, we're about a month away, less than a month away before the the first games are played. Right, right. Yeah, it's um, and I talked about this earlier, and it's something I, I I continue to wonder. So let's let's say that somebody like Snell just isn't gonna get, you know, what they thought they were gonna get. Same thing for Montgomery. Same thing for Chapman. They're not gonna get much like Bellinger didn't get the long term big money in the hundreds of millions of dollars deal. Let's say they do have to sit. Let's say Snell has to settle for the, I get it's different positions, different situation, but the same contracts ish that, that Bellinger got. Okay. Where it's a one year deal. It's going to make a lot of money, but there's an opt out. There's another opt out after a year or two and all in all the guarantee going down. Let's say it's something similar to that situation where I think it now becomes really complicated for the teams is is the fact that it's March first? Is so if you're if you're going to sign Blake, let's say let's say he has to settle for a shorter deal, um, but you're still paying him I don't know twenty something thirty million dollars for that one year. Uh-huh. Like as a team, as a front office, are you now concerned? Well, this one year where we're going to pay him a lot of money, even if he has an opt out. Well, he's not in camp yet. Is he ready for opening day? And is how much is he affected? by getting the late start. And that goes for Montgomery, too. It's just, it seems to me like these things are compounding on themselves in a really odd, and I think for the players, kind of unfortunate way. And it, it just, it continues. there. It hasn't ended yet. And, I mean, we're, yeah. we're talking about, like, they haven't even agreed. So by the time you get somebody in camp? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I think at this point, if you sign somebody... That, Unless it's like tomorrow, um, yeah, you're, you're probably not counting on them making that first first start or second start. Yeah. And I think you got to be okay with that uh, as long as you get what you you know. And I think you got to be careful at that point not to rush it because you certainly don't want to get them hurt right. uh, in this first year of whatever said deal, right? If it's a one year deal, you certainly yeah. don't want them hurt at all. Um, and you know you can work that kind of stuff out in negotiations, you know, if as that kind of comes together. Right. Um, so, I don't know. I think um, it's it's definitely been a weird market. I would not have thought, especially the way it it started, broke off last year, that we'd have it would have slowed down this fast. Right. Like I would expect, as you get closer toward towards the end of the collective bargain agreement, is when you you know you last through however many through three years of it, you start to see everybody starting right. to brace themselves for whatever could happen, but. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it means either. I don't know what this what yeah. this spells out. Yeah, I, I took a call earlier, and they were talking about um, – they made the point about the free agent class for next year being really strong, and it is. It's very, very strong. I mean, headlined by Soto, headlined by Bregman. Right. There, there's a number of other names too. It's a very strong class. Um, the, the, where I kind of landed As on it was – yeah, as of now, right. Extensions, right. All, all that, and right. certainly that could happen. Um, where I kind of landed on it, honestly, was it, it seems to me like it's it's almost a perfect um, mix of factors that's going on right now. 
you have okay, fine, maybe a strong free agent class for next year could be part of it. Teams want to save wait, money before you be before you get into this. Yeah. Before you get yes. into this, let's hit traffic yes. and then we'll come back. Oh, so, oh sorry. <laughs> All right, Sam, go ahead. Floor's yours. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, I don't do traffic during pre and post game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, quickly, because I know the show's almost over. Um, my point was this: it's like a perfect mix of things. Good free agent class for next year. Maybe that's part of it. The uncertainty about the TV money. I think that's certainly part of it. Um, yeah. And that's across the board, across baseball right now. And also, look, the, the reality is for, for a myriad of reasons, you just have a lot of teams that have spent a lot of money the last couple of years that aren't. Padres included, Mets included, Rangers included. Look, the Yankees didn't spend a lot of money other than uh, the signing Stroman. They traded for Soto. They're paying him. But it's kind of like a... It's a mix of factors that's created this very weird offseason this year. If it's – and don't let the – that for 2025, I guess 2024, 25 free agency class that you just mentioned, like, slip by. Because I'm not – I wouldn't be surprised at all if the teams that are sitting out, including the Padres, are yeah. sitting out – with that very notion in mind that that free agency class is going to be dynamite. Sure, sure. No, it's a good point. And, and, um, and you know, for the Padres, yeah. this resets their clock. You know, not yeah. staying right. under. Now right. all of a sudden they are not at risk of being penalized at an extremely high rate. So Right, right. And, and, and I, I also talked about this, like, and this is just a, my opinion. Look, I, I, the way this has gone, like, it's not fun. I don't know if you agree with that. Like, waiting this long and the drip, 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 like a leaky faucet nature of free agency where it just, like, there's been no movement. There's been very little rumors. Now it's March 1st, and we're still doing this at a time where, like, the focus yeah, should no, be. It just, I don't find it. I don't it, think it's it, good. It depends on who you are. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, some guys are like, you know what? I don't want to wait anymore. Let's, let's. Yeah. We'll take a, a smaller deal. Somebody like Blake, I don't think he, I don't think he's tripping. Like it's just like you know what? One way or another, I'm gonna get what I'm looking for. He's hanging out in Seattle, he, loving life. You know, loving life. <laughs> Play, getting the coach's travel ball team. So I, I think he's in a good good place. All right, that's gonna do it for today's show. Sam, appreciate you stepping in for us today. You, you got picked it. us up in a big way. We'll be back on Monday. Same bad time, same bad channel. You guys have a good week and good night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey, hey, hey.